Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
2012 is when we, you know, just started here uh, at Bard's Logic. So she was, we didn't have her on the show, uh, but we were uh, doing a lot of uh, national uh, campaigning there, uh, you know, for, for that. Uh, but, yeah, but her uh, campaign was Save NASA, which, you know, is very uh, important to the host here, and impeach Obama. She wasn't very well liked by the Democrats. So <laughs> you should, uh, if you, have, you know, want to do some research, read up on our, our guest tonight. Uh, she, yeah, they, they didn't like her. I mean, they wouldn't even promote her campaign or anything uh, for, you know, when she, when she ran. So you know, if you want to read more up on our guest tonight, uh, she uh, may be coming in earlier than the top of the next hour, but uh, we'll be discussing, um, you know, those things. And, of course, uh, a part of what uh, the selection could mean in fundamentally changing America is, is, is involves NASA. Uh, now, remember, folks, uh, former President Obama stated he and the Democrats wanted to fundamentally change America. And if the Democrats are successful in stealing this election, our republic and our American institutions will be in jeopardy. Our election and political systems, our freedoms and our institutions could be changed forever if we lay down and do not fight. Uh, the Democrats, of course, want us to accept a system which will install a one-party ruled, ruled by them who are supported by a state-run-like media, and I put that in quotes, who are actually just the propaganda, their propaganda arm. Uh, they would use organizations such as I mentioned NASA, which is supposed to be used for space exploration, but instead, they'll use them for their claim to support their claims of climate change and the narrative. And of course, uh, the articles and audio you hear on tonight's show, uh, you can reach at the Bard's Logic website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. So, as I stated, uh, our elections, our political system, our freedoms, and our institutions could be changed forever if we lay down and do not fight. And that's why here at Bard's Logic, we will say, Cry havoc and let's put the dogs of war. And that's what we are in. We are in a war for our republic. And so one of the things I want to do last week, uh, and definitely check out this show uh, last week. Uh, great show. Uh you know, great guest, uh, great conversation. Definitely check it out uh, on the archive here on Blog Talk Radio. And one of the things I wanted to do there was to uh, direct people to a video. Now, the reason why I didn't play the the audio was we actually had a guest who talked about it. She kind of she kind of uh, stole my thunder a little bit, but but that's okay. Um, but I wanted to give. Uh, you know, example here uh, of flipping uh, an ele- you know, flipping votes, and so showing evidence of uh, electronic voter fraud. And one of the things I like to do, whether you're listening live or listening to the archive, I want you to go to the Bard's Logic newsroom, and you can go there by going to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, so go there now. Now, this was been on last week's Bard's Logic Newsroom. So you'll want to go to Bard's Logic Newsroom, which is uh, the first to the left uh, of the middle where, where you can get to the different pages. 
Now, what you have to do for this, however, uh, is a little different uh, in order to find it, to where it says the archives. And so you go to the archives, and then you'll want to pick last, uh, you know, you can pick last uh, Wednesday or last Tuesday. Uh, I think they only let you pick the day uh, it's uh, published. Uh, so go out there, and then you'll want to go scroll down to where it says, you know, load more videos. And then the video uh, that I gleaned this from, you know, you, you, you may or may not have time to watch it later. Uh, I mean, I mean now, but listen to the audio, but you'll, you will want to watch it later, okay? And that video uh, is going to show, you know, show about evidence of, of voter fraud. So there's a number of different videos there, uh, but that is the page that you'll find it uh, where I'm going to be getting this, the audio from. And, you know, what it's talking about is, you know, again, you heard our, our guest, one of our guests meet uh, about it, well, actually showing a flipping of votes. Okay, so that's uh, one of the things that you'll, you'll see there. So, so what you'll do is you'll want to scroll down uh, and you'll want to get uh, to, so if you're not doing it, do this, you know, if you can do it now, scroll down. I'm trying to find the, uh, the video for you. Uh, that has that in there, uh, you know, about, you know, the, the election. And I'm trying to uh, see. I'm uh, scrolling down. I know it's on this. Yeah, sorry for the silence, folks, but I'm looking for that, that video that you're going to find the, the audio with about them uh, flipping, uh, flipping, the, uh, flipping the vote. And it could be where it's Establishment Media Fraud uh, Software is where I think is the name of, uh, is the, name of the video uh, that you'll see. And it's um, – what you'll want to do is when you go to the video – I think it's um, uh, that one's not it, but that is a, that is a good video. Establishment media fraud software, uh, fraud in real time. Um, let's see, I'm looking for it. Pretty sure that's the video. Yeah, it is. So it's on. What you'll want to go to is you want to go where it says establishment media fraud software fraud in real time. And then what you'll want to do is you'll want to go to about four minutes and 30, you know, 35, 38 seconds. Uh, you'll want to go on that video. So you'll, uh, so let me go run through it again for you. Is you'll want to go to the Bard's Logic newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the Bard's Logic newsroom. Go to the archive and go to the November. 10th uh, archive, and then you'll want to go to the video that it says Establishment Media Fraud Software in Real Time, and then you'll want to go to, uh, again, about four minutes and, you know, 35, 38 seconds there where you'll see this video. Well, what are you going to see? Uh, and then I'm going to show you the audio. The guy's going to explain it. What you're going to actually see is votes actually flipped. You'll see 
where first Matt Bevin has, you know, like 60, um, 662,235 votes. And then when the votes are updated, you'll see that he actually has less votes after the update. So an update happens, and he actually has less votes. And that's what you're going to see uh, on this uh, on this video. But what I'm going to do is, again, I'm going to play, and Kelly, we're going to get you on the line here. Uh, it's only about three-minute uh, audio. And, but when you check this out, you want to see the video, because I was stunned uh, when I seen it, because you actually are really witnessing it. It's almost like, uh, if you remember that movie, uh, uh, Signs, when the alien walked across the street, you're kind of like shocked when you actually see it, you know, like, whoa, did I just see that? Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of like that. If you're familiar with that movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But here's the audio of, uh, of the gentleman walking through uh, what you'll see there on that video. Vote fraud captured by Russell Ramsland. Um, what's happening in this clip is this is a live feed from Clarity Elections coming through the Associated Desk or Decision Desk HQ. So this is a live feed. You're seeing the database that Clarity has as it gets updated with votes, okay? And right now, oh, and this little ribbon at the bottom, this is generated by CNN. And they update this a second after they get the update from Clarity up here. So let's just look. Right now, Andy Bashir, who is the guy that upset Matt Bevan, the governor at the time, Andy Bashir has 673,948 votes. That ties to what the ribbon from CNN says. Same thing with Matt Bevan, 662,235. Now, let me take you through and, and real quick, I'm going to run it again. You're going to see, if you're watching just this gold, you're going to see a flash update, and then this guy's face fills the page, and then I'm going to show you what you really missed. So here we go. Watch the gold. The update's coming. Boom, there it updates, and now here's this guy. Now let me show you what you missed. We're going to drag this back frame by frame. And so here we are before the update, and now I'm going to start walking you forward. Watch the goal. Here comes the update from Clarity. Boom. There it is. So now the update, Matt Bashir, uh, excuse me, Andy Bashir has 674,508 votes. And look down below, Andy Bashir had. 673948. They haven't had a chance to update the ribbon because this is in split seconds we're looking now. So Andy Bashir has just gained 560 votes. That makes sense. That's what happens as more votes come in, right? Let's look at Matt Bevan. He now has 661675. But look down below. He did have 662, 235. At the exact same second that Andy Bashir has gone up 560 votes, Matt Bevan has gone down 560 votes. This is vote switching in the computer. 
And by the way, between the 560 gain and 560 loss, you have just seen 25% of the loss amount of this race happen in front of your very eyes. There is every- you see it as it happens, you know, with those numbers. It's incredible. you got to see it. So, again, uh, go to uh, the you know, Bart's Logic website. Uh, you know, and, and check that out uh, on the newsroom. And so, and also while you're there, you, you might as well subscribe to the Bards Logic newsroom. You will only get one weekly update, so you're only going to get an update once, uh, showing you, uh, oh, you know, Bards Logic's out, you know, Bards Logic newsroom's out. And so, you know, sign up. It just takes your email address, I believe, uh, to do that. Uh, and you're not going to get inundated with with emails. You know, you, you know, it's not going to give me your email address. Or a thing of that nature. It's just going to be where it goes. It goes into the system, uh, where it's going to send you the, uh, you know, send you once a week uh, that the Bards Logic newsroom's out. So if you haven't subscribed already to the Bards Logic newsroom, uh, please uh, feel free and go ahead to do so. I'd really appreciate it. But let's go ahead and we got Kelly on the line, uh, who he's uh, worked a lot with, co-founder of Watch the Vote uh, USA. Um, so it's uh, great to have you on. Uh, as always, Kelly, uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. Uh, how are you tonight? Well, good. It's a uh, nice gentle rain in California, and uh, we really needed to tear the groundwater. But I've uh, been very concerned about the integrity of this election and the vulnerabilities, which I have seen for years. It's not hard to prove the vulnerabilities. It is – it's hard to prove election fraud or voter fraud, but it's a lot easier to prove vulnerabilities. Rudy Giuliani came out a couple hours ago. He calls his uh, Rudy Giuliani's, Giuliani's common sense. And he laid out quite a bit of what's going on. So does Sidney Powell also have some other high-power attorneys. And I, appreciate, I really appreciate that Fox News is getting this out. Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and it's very concerning. Um, but Giuliani mentioned, uh, actually, it was Sidney Powell mentioned the three affidavits from the computer programmers who programmed smart tech. And, and Giuliani explained it, but they have the affidavits. So Giuliani explained that Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, wanted a system so he could rig the elections so he could get reelected. So. Smart Tech developed the software, and that DNA is in the Dominion machines, which are having problems there in Georgia, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. And he explained it that so Chavez com- uh, commissioned these programmers, and then they took the machines down, and it caused Hugo Chavez to be reelected. Um, I'm, I'm combining Sidney Powell plus Giuliani, but Giuliani laid it out very well tonight. And uh, he even mentioned Frankfurt, which I think I, I sent to that video clip, Robert, so maybe you want to play that, some of that. But it's just point blank frightening. And so we have um, uh, uh, Dominion is using the smart tech software, which has the back doors. Um, and it's very hard for people to accept this. And so how will people respond? Oh, you're a conspiracy theory nut, or I'm just going to ignore you. Oh, that's just, that's just propaganda, which some people on the left um, 
that they're just going to say, yeah, it's all propaganda. Except for, you know, when you say Russia narrative for four years, that's not propaganda. Disproven, um, I ran into Linda, who was a poll worker in the primaries. And she didn't in the general because of Corona, but and long, and she didn't want to wear a mask all day. Anyway, I, I started introdu- introducing this to her. I know I know her from a church I go to, and I introduced her to this, and the look on her face is like, "What?" Yeah, Juliana came out with it, explaining. Um, so she gave me her email. I'm going to send her several videos, but I had to tell her. I said, "This is very hard to accept. I know this is hard to accept." So we have an update of yesterday because on the show last week I mentioned on Friday about a Chris Krebs. He is now fired. Trump said, you're fired. And Chris Krebs is the director of CISA, CISA. Was. Cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah, CISA, another alphabet soup, under the Department of Homeland Security. And CISA stands for uh, cybersecurity and infrastructure, um, yeah, cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. He is the director. He did a video on October 28th, which is very concerning. In this video, he says things like, "Oh yeah, we believe it's uh, safe, and we have full confidence, and you should too." He kind of that was a weird way to kind of force a belief on people. And so then um, in this video, you watch it carefully, and it's only three minutes. There's a lot of doublespeak. Oh, I have full confidence. Everything's fine. But you know, election clerks know that these can be hacked. And he also said, be ready to question the integrity of the election. What? Dude, aren't, don't you have a handle on this? Why are you doing this doublespeak? Um, I mean these statements he makes… When you when you really examine this, it gets a little concerning. Um, but there was I had suspicion after I watched this video. I'm like, what October 28th? Um, and so Trump fired him yesterday. You fired, done, bye. Um, he's <clears throat> Chris Krebs used to work for Microsoft as the chief policy. Uh, director for secure um, Microsoft Security, and then he ended up in working for Trump, and now he's fired. So, if this guy was in on it, if this guy was saying everything's safe when it's not, then has this person um, on his watch let people get away with things to the situation that we have now? Because that could be treason. Um, we go to Georgia. There's a lawsuit filed. Just found this out today. A lawsuit filed because the Secretary of State, although a Republican, the Secretary of State uh, was receiving reports not of the hand recount but of the first count. And so a lawsuit has been filed to throw out the elections in Georgia and have the Georgia legislature meet to um, pick the elector for the Electoral College. Of course, the Georgia legislature is all Republicans. There's going to be a whole bunch of screams if that happens. 
uh, Michigan, um, is it Lansing County? Lansing County? Detroit is. They, uh, the Democrats, the, the, the commission that certifies the results, two Democrats approved, two, Dem- two Republicans refused to approve because they know there's so many problems and tunnel affidavits. Like Laura McAvaney, you know, the spokesman for Trump, she held up in front of uh, Fox News about two and a half inches thick of affidavits. Uh, Lindsey Powell says that the evidence is coming in like like a fire hose now. Um, so our systems are very vulnerable, and it looks like they have been taken advantage of. However, all these resu- resu- uh, all these disputes have to be resolved by December 8th, and that's the schedule. I mean, the schedule... Uh, of course, we had the election, and then we had December 8th to resolve all the disputes, December 14th, the meeting of the electors in the several states, um, and then they have to have their ballots in by December 23rd. And then on January 6th, the counting of the electoral vote ballots is by the United States Congress in joint session. I actually watched live when Biden, VP in 16, was actually January of 17, when he counted all the ballots. And there was objection by different congressmen. Do you have any merit to this? No. And Biden shut them down. And they kept counting another state, another state. And then a congressman from another state would object. Do you have any basis for this objection? No. And we continue. You can't resolve it by March 4th and the vice president or Pence becomes the president. So we have elections under serious consideration that might be um, threatened. Are we going to have situations where uh, emergency legislatures meet throughout different states and they decide the electors? Because the Constitution does provide for that. Uh, We can get into that later. But basically, um, the the state house legislatures decide the manner in which the electors are met, meaning – you know, your normal process in a normal year, but, yeah, somebody filed suit in Georgia to have uh, the Electoral College picked by the state legislature. And this is how, how bad it could get. So SCOTUS is going to get involved pretty quick. Giuliani had success today, I believe, in Michigan about uh, – he, he did very well in his presentation, and we're going to see what happens. So, yeah, I – this is really – it's hard to accept, but it's if, – if they did this in Venezuela, this could be used here, turned on here to have essentially a socialist coup d'etat of the country. So back to you. Well, and – you know, a couple of things as he, as he pointed out in that, that video you sent. I, I made a, a few short um, – Audios. I just I just wasn't able to to get them uploaded, but uh, you know, talk about. I mean, think about it, folks. When we got our co our, our our counting of our votes are being done outside of the country. I mean, there it's happening in places you know like uh, Germany and Spain uh, with with Smartmatic, and you know, and, and I heard. Uh, Let's get some of the LaRouche folks on here. They're going to talk about how that's actually tied to London, which uh, you'll there'll be some fascinating things you'll you'll find. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about later. Uh, but I mean, but Smartmatic to give you a little background, as he did 
on that video that you that you you know you sent me uh, is that you know that was actually made in Venezuela in 2004 2005 and it was it was made to fix the elections for them um, and then there's uh some, there was something you mentioned some type of case in uh, uh, Sequoia uh, the Sequoia case in Chicago. Now, one of the things he mentioned that we didn't bring up yet is how, and I've got an audio here that later, um, not not quite an article, but 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 proof that the the Clinton Foundation is actually a supporter of Dominion, and I do got an audio I'm going to play here shortly where you can see there's our Clinton ties to Dominion uh, voting machines, and and here's that audio, and then I've got uh, an article here. That's actually you can find it on the Bard's Logic Newsroom. It's not quite an art, art, but it's a link to the Clinton Foundation that is referring to the is it, uh, the Delian or Delian project that says democracy democracy through technology, and it has here it says in 2014 the minion and this is from the ClintonFoundation.org, so this is at the Clinton Foundation. Says in 2014, Dominion Voting committed to providing emerging and post-conflict democracies with access to voting technology through its philanthropic support to the Delian or Delian or whatever you pronounce it project. As many emerging democracies suffer from post-electoral violence due to the delay, it's just ironic, due to the delay and publishing of election results. So, are you kidding me? <laughs> So it says, over the next three years, the Minion Voting will support election technology pilots with donated automatic voting machines, providing an improved electoral process, and therefore, again, once Democrats put a stamp on a word, you know it's the opposite. Therefore, safer elections. You know, so here they're going to use the Minion Voting Machine, supposedly help them. With their elections, have safe elections when these Dominion machines are, are known to be easily hacked and manipulated. Now, how is that helping these other nations uh, with that, Kelly? Well, when other nations find out that the CIA has been messing with their elections, they're going to be pretty upset with the United States. But it's really strange where. Uh, it was uh, Gomert who mentioned the thing about Frankfurt and the Army rating. By the way, Giuliani yeah. clicked. He, he mentioned Frankfurt. On that. Yeah, well, it, Giuliani just a few hours ago did mention Frankfurt votes getting counted in Frankfurt. That's yeah, true. so but the rate or not, I can't. I, I still can't confirm that. But other nations are going to be very upset. I mean, at least the people of other nations would be very set, upset with the CIA or the U.S. messing with elections like this. Um, but there's some good news in the September 12th, uh, 2018 executive order by Donald Trump, and he declared a state of emergency. And I'll, I'll get that and read that here. I just got home from somewhere, but I, I'll go ahead and read that in a bit. But Trump was on top of this. He was on top of this way back in September. And so there's some good news, and if this is a sting operation, you know, we could have honest elections, hopefully for a long time. Um, 
So while I dig that up, I want to read to you from uh, where this is. Here's a solution, okay, for some people struggling. Could this really be happening? Oh my gosh, you know, well the media says it doesn't. Okay, so we're having an election by media. Okay, whatever. And you can't call a president elect until after electoral college, but they're already doing it right. anyway. So while I'm digging up this executive order, I want to point out uh, some hope for people because the um, there's a county in California where this cannot happen. And today I was watching a live feed of they're doing a one percent um, by hand recount. You can just they put it right online, and uh, that was nice. I mean that's transparency having a having a live cam in in, in the election clerk's office. And all they were doing is taking a pile of ballots, like, like <coughs> initiative number 12. We had a bunch of initiatives this year. Uh, just had a stack. They go, one yes, they go to the left. One, two yes, go to the left. Three yes, go to the left. No, they go to the right. So they simply said, they take one topic, yes, no, put them in a stack. There's three of them at the table, and then they count them, write them down. So that's a 1% recount. I guess they randomly picked uh, – uh, say if there's 200 precincts and they picked uh, two precincts to recount, and that's good. But w- the best thing they have in, in uh, Humboldt County is they have it's called the Humboldt County Election Transparency Project. And I met uh, one of the guys that spearheaded this, um, Kevin. Kevin, what's his name? Kevin Collins. He's a fisherman, and him and his buddies got together, and they raised about twenty thousand dollars for a high-speed scanner. All it does is scan, and it turns it into a digital image, like on your phone. You take a picture, it's a digital image. Well, these they're called digital ballot images. So after the election, uh, after the county clerk's all done, they take all these stacks of ballots, and they run it across the digital scanner. They produce a DVD, and you can buy it at the counter. Sometimes they'll put it online. But here's running some data on Sunday. Um, I, I looked at the 2020 primary and the 2016 primary. Again, this is a county where you don't want to cheat or you're going to get caught, so you're going to have an honest election. Okay. So I mean, again, because the public can get the DVD and they can do their own recount on their, on their TV. All right. So in the 2020 primary, when we compare Biden, Sanders, Biden, um, I'm looking at all the different counties. There's 58 counties. All right. So. In the primary this year, Sanders got the only county majority within the state. He got 52.5% of the vote. It's the only majority. 50-plus is majority. He got it there at Humboldt. The point difference between him and Biden was 35.5 points, as in uh, uh, Bernie got 52.5 and Biden only got 17. Okay, so 35.5-point spread. The 2016 primary, Sanders got the largest County majority within the state of 70.4%. And uh, in the point spread, of, compared to any other county, it had the largest point spread over Clinton of 41.7. 41.7 points. That would be 70.4 Sanders versus 28.7 Clinton. So you see, you have a backup system here where you're scanning the ballots, putting them on a DVD, and you can make them available to the public. If you're a computer hacker, you dare not cheat there or you're going to jail, all right? And so we look at the cost of this, 20, maybe uh, a premier model was 25000 So it's going to cost twenty to 25000 What would this cost 
the county. Well, twenty to twenty-five thousand. Okay, plus some volunteers, whatever. But um, say, for example, you have in in Chisky County here. We're next door. We're to this uh, northeast of Humboldt. Basically, uh, we got forty-five thousand people. What would this cost to put this system in place? Less than a dollar a resident. One dollar a resident. There's your solution right there. Uh, if they want to hack, wherever they want to hack, you can't be done. You're going to get caught. And it would cost them less than a dollar a citizen of a county. Well, why are we not doing this? That, that's what I want to know. Let's get to the executive order, okay? September 12, 2018. Um, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, find that the ability of persons located in whole or in substantial part outside the United States to interfere or undermine public confidence in the United States elections, including through the unauthorized accessing of election and campaign infrastructure, or the covert distribution of propaganda and disinformation, constitutes an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States. Although there have been no evidence of a foreign power altering the outcome of vote tabulation, in any United States election, foreign powers have historically sought to exploit America's free and open political system. In recent years, the, the proliferation of digital devices and Internet-based communications has created significant vulnerabilities and magnified the scope and intensity of the threat of foreign interference. As illustrated in the 2017 Intelligence Committee assessment, I hereby declare a national emergency to deal with this threat. You go on into this uh, executive order, which is still in place. Um, there in, in that order is the power to seize assets, as in lock up bank accounts. And it's not just it's hard to deal with a foreign nation, but any anybody cooperating with the foreign uh, enemies that would hack our election, money's going to be coming into the states here. Those bank accounts are locked up. As in American operatives working to overturn our election, and it even discusses um, propaganda and disinformation, which could actually mean that the implications are that the media could be involved in treason because you watch CNN. Um, there was a postal worker who, who saw it happen. Oh, yeah. he, was, he was ordered to um, destroy a bunch of Trump ballots, and he became a whistleblower. And then the New York Times said, oh, this postal worker recanted the story. And he made a video says, no, I never recanted the story. The New York Times need to recant wow. their story. That I recanted my story. So you have propaganda Gee. agents here um, oh, that yeah. are doing things to convince – and I've talked with liberals, and they're like, ah, that's just a bunch of phony, pie-in-the-sky, visionary, delusional stuff. Biden won. Just accept it. Okay, okay, okay. You're getting your information from CNN. CNN – Oh, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was watching an interview with the – this is how bad the media is getting. Um, there was a claim that Lindsey Graham – Lindsey Graham had called the Secretary of State of Georgia a Republican 
and Lin- this is the media, not the truth. This is what they're saying. Lindsey Graham told um, told the, the SOS of Georgia to throw away a bunch of Democrat ballots. My neighbor watched. Uh, he showed me the clip, and they interviewed the Secretary of State. He never said that. He never backed up what they said, but they had taken snippets from an interview, and they made it look like uh, the Secretary of State was saying uh, this, but he never said this. He never confirmed on exactly. air the CNN baloney. Right. And so there's enormous propaganda going on here. So, yeah, there's there's some uh, – Trump is on it. Trump is still on this, and I think he's just letting more people walk into the trap and then close the door. So I hope it, so. Yeah, didn't I? Didn't I, wasn't I saying this in July or August? Or when was I saying this? That we're going to have a tough time between a um, election day and inauguration you day. You did. You said we're going to be a fight. I was hoping. I was hoping that wouldn't be the case, but you are right. And one thing, of course, uh, the Clintons have to have their their hands and stuff. And I alluded to earlier is you know where you know they're using the. Uh, Dominion voting as well, and something with the, the Lion or Dillian project. Uh, but here's an audio uh, that talks uh, more about that. Software used by the voting system Dominion reportedly glitched in favor of Joe Biden in key parts of Michigan. And as it turns out, key members of Dominion have ties that go back to Hillary Clinton, as we just reported there. Here's Chanel Rion. One county in Michigan glitched and turned Trump votes into Biden votes. Upon exposing this error, it turns out that 6,000 votes had accidentally gone from Trump to Biden. When they corrected this error, not only did Trump win the county, but the House gained a Republican congressman. Head of the Trump legal battle against fraudulent ballots, Rudy Giuliani says this glitch was widespread. We have a complete breakdown of the software system called Dominion, in which in Antrim County, Biden won on election night, only to find out that the software didn't work and it reversed the vote. That Dominion technology is, was used in three quarters to three to, to, to almost 80 percent of the state. So now we've got to look at how often did it break down in other parts of the state. And when you look back on the history of Dominion, which is a Canadian firm, it's made mistakes in a Canadian elections similar to that. This Dominion software was used in at least 47 counties in Michigan, a state Trump had been projected to win. Election officials in Michigan were quick to dismiss this initial mistake as simply a failure to update the software. But Trump's legal team and the Republican Party are calling this a bluff pushing for a full audit of the counties in which Dominion was used. I mean, the idea that there's no evidence, I mean, the networks keep saying, but the Trump campaign has produced no evidence. And I say, you are censoring the evidence. But there is another aspect of the Dominion software company that escapes the notice of most, Dominion's ties to the Clinton Foundation. Penelope Chester Starr is the communications manager for Dominion Voting Systems. Prior to coming to Dominion, she worked for the Clinton Growth Initiative and was vice president for Tenio. Tenio was the firm started to help manage Bill and Hillary Clinton's foreign businesses and booked their personal speaking engagements. Even more disturbing, there appears to be a formal partnership between the Clinton Initiative 
and Dominion voting systems. But back to just one example of many, Chester Starr also helped organize a 2017 Women's March against Trump and is a rabid anti-Trumper working for a vote-counting company, one that claims to be the leading supplier of election technology across Canada and the U.S. The question is, how many more anti-Trump activists and former Clinton allies work for or affect the Dominion software company, the company that accidentally flipped thousands of votes from Trump to Biden in key swing states? Chanel Rion, One American News, The White House. One of the I'll tell you what, one American News and Newsmax, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna take over Fox News. I really do. After what Fox has been doing lately, and you mentioned how you know Tucker Carlson and uh you know, he he was kinda of bothering me the other night and so was Sean Hannity because they're already talking as if the election's over and now we gotta figure out what we gotta do to you know, you know, move forward. It's like now's not the time to move forward. Now's the time to fight. It's not the time to move forward with, uh, you know, well, you know, Biden wants. It's not time to lay down because, as I mentioned earlier, that's what they want us to do, and we and we can't. I mean, we 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 can't lay down. There's too many of our organizations, you know, that that we we just can't stand for it for us to just lie down. But anyway, uh, but yeah, again, you know. It's amazing. I mean, all you got to do is just follow the follow the money, connect the dots, and again, you know, the, the Clinton Foundation, and you have all these. I mean, look at think think of this. You want to talk about a cabal? I mean, you've got people who've worked for the Clinton administration now with voting cal- uh, tabulators. You've got uh, people who worked for you know the the Biden, uh, you know, who was an, uh, an intern for Biden being was going to be a moderator for one of the debates. You know, I mean, you've got uh, people who work for the Democrats, you know, who are now, uh, you know, in the media. And so it's like, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, anyone who can see that this isn't, uh, this hasn't all been, you know, set up, it's, it's just amazing to me how people just don't, don't catch that. Well, here's a, let me, yeah, it, here is one of the affidavits. I'll find it here. I just had it up on my phone. Here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Sidney Powell says the whistleblower documented and sworn affidavit uh, on why he came forward, and he was one of the programmers that were helping Chavez. I think this was in 2008. Okay. Number one, click num- clip number one. The circumstances and events are eerily reminiscent of what happened with Smartmatic software electronically changing votes in the 2013 presidential election. Okay, so like 2008, they were commissioned, whatever, 2013. Number two, I'm alarmed because of what is occurring in plain sight during this 2020 presidential election of the United States. What happened in the United States was that the vote counting was abruptly stopped in five states using Dominion software. Number three, I want to point out that the software and fundamental design of the electronic electoral system and software dominion and other election tabulating companies relies upon the software that is a descendant of the smartmatic electoral management system number four importantly i am because you can only put so much on a tweet number four importantly i was a direct witness to the creation and operation of an electronic voting system in a conspiracy between a company known as smartmatic and the leaders of conspiracy with the venezuelan government number five 
Chavez was most insistent that Smartmatic designed the system in a way that the system could change the vote of each voter without being detected. Smartmatic agreed to create such a system and produce the software and hardware that accomplished the result for President Chavez. Number six. After Smartmatic electoral management system was put in place, I closely observed several elections where the results were manipulating, manipulated using Smartmatic software. One such election was in December of 2006. Another was on April 14th of 2013. All right. I'm sorry about the dates, okay? When, did they, when were they commissioned? 2008, 2006. I'm hearing different – anyway, but – this guy has come forward. Obviously, if he was there, his dates would be more accurate. And what's a challenge here is there's so much information coming in. You know, then there's still more on this hammer scorecard thing. There's there's stuff about the watermark ballots that, that fluoresce when you put a light on it. That would indicate it's a legal ballot or not. And Alex Padilla here, our Secretary of State, did require that. And I saw the memo he sent in August to all the county clerks uh, this year's uh, uh Water emblem, watermark is uh, some kind of rose, and it's a certain red dye. So there's all sorts of information coming in. It's too hard to keep up with it. So I'm sorry for some dates, and I'm, I'm I might be getting confused with some other things. But it's there was some testimony, okay? There was some testimony, and the left is saying there is no evidence. So mm-hmm. you know what? So hopefully we'll get the LaRouche pack person on soon. Yeah, she's on the line, and she'll you know she'll be, we'll be bringing her in uh, when, when when she would like, uh, maybe a little bit before the top of the hour, perhaps uh, right on the top of the hour. We're going to be talking about one of the organizations where I feel uh, that you know or I think that you know if, if they are successful with stealing the election, that they're going to use NASA not for space exploration. And not for what it was meant to be, you know, what it was created for, uh, but I think they're going to try to use that to uh, try to bolster their claims about, uh, you know, climate change and, you know, for their climate change agenda narrative and use Russia. I mean, you already had where uh, Obama nixed the the, the shuttle program. And then you have, uh, you know, folks talking about how they're, you know, how Biden's going going to, to use NASA actually. Uh, for climate change, and you even have the guys, the director, which we reported last week, uh, stating that if, if Biden were to indeed get in, the head of NASA said, "I'm just going to resign because he, he don't want to, you know, be under an administration that's that's not going to use NASA for its proper purpose." Uh, but I do have one more audio I want to to, to play for the uh, before the top of the hour, and uh, we had some other articles. We may get that uh, into the third hour. Uh, you know, tonight. But this one is, you know, a, a cyber analysis uh, on the Dominion voting. And would you listen to this audio? I mean, obviously, listen to all of it. But I would say the last, the last minute, I guess, or so, really pay attention to the last minute because when I heard uh, that last minute, uh, you know, what they're talking about that last minute, I was really like, wow. You know, we I, I want to hear more about this. So hopefully we'll be hearing uh, more about what they mentioned you know, at the end of the clip. So again, you know, it's a four-minute clip. Listen to you know all of it, of course. But that, and of course, you could also want the audio or get the video from this audio by going to the Bards Logic website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. 
And, of course, you go to the Bars Logic newsroom. And, again, while you're there, you know, might as well uh, subscribe. You're not going to get inundated with emails, you know, every day, you know, from, from the website. You're only going to get literally once a week. Uh, so when you go there, you know, subscribe to the, you know, uh, to the newsroom, and you'll, you'll just get that, that weekly update uh, when it's been updated. And so let's go ahead and uh, get that key uh, for this uh, analyst. And a cyber analyst shares alarming insights into the scandal-ridden voting uh, software Dominion. One America's Chanel Rion has more. While voter fraud deniers continue to proclaim the perfection of the U.S. election system, skeptics are looking at irregular patterns in vote data. In particular, software irregularities that would switch votes from President Trump to Joe Biden. Dominion Voting Systems is one such software that seems to have a pattern of switching votes from Trump to Biden. How easily could bad actors have used Dominion to switch thousands of votes and alter an election? County by county, the answer is shocking. One American News spoke with Ron Watkins, a large systems technical analyst who has been poring over the Dominion Systems Manual. So I was looking at this manual with the mindset of a penetration tester, of which I am. I'm reading the manual with a discerning eye and trying to figure out which parts of the system could be abused by uh, end users. The physical security of the device is the first step to security. If you can't secure the physical device, then you have no security. It, it's impossible to have security if you don't secure the physical device. Working off the Dominion Manual and public request documents from Pennsylvania's Secretary of State, Watkins says the vulnerabilities of Dominion reside in the fact that administrative access is so easy to attain. With administrative access comes direct access to ballots and how they are counted. So you have the issue of the person who is inside the tabulation machine, which is just a normal Windows 10 computer, are they manipulating the votes before it goes to the flash drive? And then you have the next issue, which is now the votes are on the flash drive. Does How does that flash drive get to the, the county commissioner or whoever is assigned to accept the flash drive? Is the same flash drive being uh, being sent over? So you could swap the flash drive. Theoretically, there's uh, no accountability there. And then once the county commissioner or whoever uh, accepts that flash drive gets the flash drive, do you trust them to not go in and edit the content before they report it? In Michigan, one county reported 6,000 ballots being affected because of a software malfunction. Catching this error meant the difference between that county voting Biden to that county actually having voted for Trump by 2,500 votes. So another issue is the keys. The keys to the machine are digital devices. It's unclear what the device is. It might be like an RFID device or USB or, or something, but it is clear that it's a digital device that holds uh, some kind of cryptographic key on it. If you lose this physical key, you lose absolute security of the entire precinct. So for example, if say Philadelphia was storing these keys in a warehouse and they, they were robbed and the only thing stolen were these keys and a laptop, then you should consider their entire election to be illegitimate because they have lost 
the physical security of the system, which is the most important uh, part of information security. And that's exactly what happened in Philadelphia just one month before the election. USB drives and a laptop had been stolen from a key precinct in Philadelphia. On election day, Biden overtook Trump's 800,000 vote lead in the dark of night. According to these tabulating machines, Biden surpassed Trump by nearly 60,000 votes statewide, a lead found in one county, the county from which a thief stole USB keys and a laptop to the precinct's ballot machines the month prior. Chanel Rian, One American News, the White House. So again, <laughs> in the county, Kelly, I'm close to one on your number dial, folks. I do see folks on the line, and I'll get you to the show. But, um, yeah, again, you have theft in a county, and that's, where they, that, and that's the county where they found the vote. You know, and so and that's yeah, what I felt yeah. peculiar. Oh, Trump's what? When I left, Trump was up like 600,000 votes, through my understanding, when they stopped the, cut, the counting in Pennsylvania. And now, yeah, overnight. And I also found it interesting that at the end of the night for election night, it was about 4, 4.30 in the morning. And, you know, and I was watching uh, Fox and AON and One American News. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're probably not going to – we're not probably not going to hear anything until about 11 o'clock in the morning because they said they're going to stop counting votes, and we're not going to hear anything else until you know, probably about 11 o'clock in the morning on, on Wednesday. And I, I took vacation that week. I was off that whole week. So I set my alarm. I set my alarm 10 o'clock. So I said, yeah, I get myself some sleep, you know, and then wake up and get right back to it. Well, my brother calls me at like 8, 8.30 in the morning. Saying, oh, yeah, they gave, uh, I can't remember which state he said they gave to Biden. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought they were going to stop the, t- the the votes, you know. I thought we weren't going to know anything again, and, or they weren't going to start again till 10 or something. And we wouldn't even know anything till about 11. So they stopped the votes, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. You wake up and things change after they said, oh, yeah, they're, gonna, they're, not, they're done counting for the night. Wow. So I wanted to communicate something that – okay, hard to prove election fraud, easy to prove vulnerabilities. How do I wake up the supervisors here in Siskiyou County? And you know what? I don't think there's any ill intent. I, I think a lot of good and positive about our supervisors and our election clerk. Okay, positive. They just don't know what could be happening under their noses because they – haven't programmed computers like they have. They don't understand um, the security protocols. They don't. They're not experts in computer security. Now, to prove this, I'm like, you know what? What if I can uh, get up to a vote counting machine the day before the election? So a few of these election cycles, primaries, whatever. You know, what's that? trailer. Are those vote counting machines in there? Yes. Poll workers. Oh, yeah, they were here the night before. Okay. Hum. So I go to a, uh, one town, and this is in the primary. Six days before the election, these things showed up. In one town hall, I'm not going to name the city, you could walk right up to the vote counting machine. The day after the election, I walked right up to the vote counting machine. It's in the, it's in the hall. Wow. in the town hall. And there was a kid that was being tutored by a teacher, and a policeman just happened to come by. And I talked with him about it, and he's like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. This should be in a locked room. 
So for the general election, I called that same officer. He sent a police officer with, and we walked right up to the vote counting machine. This is the Monday before the election. This is being this. I want to show physical access so people start realizing that there are vulnerabilities. Okay. Well, in doing poll watching, you watch and break down the Dominion machines. It's Dominion Ice, I C E. What a nice name, Ice. Icing the people, are you? Dominion Ice. Okay. So, I'm watching them after the election. Polls close eight o'clock. There you go. They let you stay there until they're done. And poll observers. I just introduced myself politely to the poll judge. And um, he even showed me more about the machine this time. Anyway, you watch, real quick, and real quick, get, Kelly, because I do. It, it, is, it is. We might have to continue that to our third segment um, because I do see it's the top of the hour. Uh, I do see our guest is on the line. Um, can I, can uh, I finish? Shift, uh, you're it's ready. Important. I, I am. Really I will. Important. Hold on. Hold on. I know okay. it is. I know. Uh, but yeah, Keisha, if you're when, when you're ready to uh, chime in, just push the one on your phone, and it'll let me know that you're ready to come in. Um, it, it, it will. It's not. Uh, I'll just see if I can get uh, bring her in after you talk. Um, let's just maybe some technical things going on. But uh, go ahead, finish that out, and hopefully we'll have our guest uh, ready for us for a second segment. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, so you watch them break down the machine. You know the shutdown procedure. They open the cabinet down below. They pull out a, a removable, removable memory card. You can call it a, a USB drive. That's what this interview you just played, this clip you just played. Okay. They pull it out, and it's about two inches by three quarter by about three inches long, and that's the data from that machine. They put it in a bag, and then they they put it, take that red uh, removable memory card or USB. They they take it. And they put it in the central tabulator. Now, had I been a hacker, and say I showed up in the town hall five minutes before they close, I hide somewhere. The city workers go home. I would have gotten into that machine, and I would have swapped out that memory card. The one I brought with me would have a virus. So after the election, the removable memory card is taken to the election clerk, put in the central tabulator, and my virus would upload to the central tabulator, changing the results of the entire county. I prove the physical vulnerability. The hackers' conference, DEFCON hackers' conference every year, they prove these machines are hackable. And so by one vulnerable precinct, you can change the results of the entire county. And this clip you just had, the guy was discussing this, that it happened somewhere. That's just one vulnerability of many. Um, I, I just – it's frustrating. It's frustrating that, because it's hard for honest, hardworking folks, supervisors, county commissioners, or your election officials, all their hard work and all their honesty. They cannot see this potential, and the viruses are sneaking in under their nose. It is undermining all their hard work, all their honesty, and their whole staff. And then I communicate, and they think I'm a nutcase. <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, well I was, uh, uh, real, uh, real quick, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring in uh, Keisha. Is that, I mean, and I know you and Jim you know, have been working on it with Watch to Vote USA, you know, at least since 2016. But, I mean, I got a message from Jim, uh, Jim Connor Jr., the other day. And, I mean, he was saying that, you know, look, we've been uh, – We've been talking about this, you know, this electronic, uh, you know, 
uh, at least since the 70s and 80s, <laughs> you know, uh, talking about the, the, the dangers of these, this stuff coming up. Um, and then they're talking about, uh, you know, the, you know, on this website, we'll, we'll go over all that, but I don't want to get, reveal everything in the, in the message, but because uh, <laughs> it was just a, a personal message to me. But I know they've been working on uh, for a long time uh, with, with voter fraud, and, and then, of course, uh, more recently with the, the electronic voter fraud. I kind of missed the hanging chance at this point, but let's go ahead and uh, bring our guest, uh, Keisha Rogers, in. Uh, thank you very much, Keisha, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm good. Good evening. How are you? Sounds like a lively discussion you guys are having. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we yep every uh, almost every week, uh, every week. But uh, yeah, we we've been talking about this, you know, as a, as a state Keisha, but with raising the alarm about you know electronic fraud for I, I know at least since 2016, probably even before that. Um, but that was real big. I mean, we really thought they're going to try this in 2016, but they didn't. Um, but I think now there's just I think they believe they, they had things set up so much where they're like, well, well people have to believe that, that Biden can win. I mean, but. Oh, I'm uh, sure it's been know, going on know. longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and you, you know, this is coming from, you know, you know, Democrat Party, which you, you know, I don't know if you're, you're still a member of the party. I know when you ran, you won your two uh, uh, nominations for the 22nd district there in Texas, uh, you know, I was reading some things up, but it sounded like the, they were kind of giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely, um, I probably was the starting person of the walk-away movement before it even existed, um, just in terms of catching people up on where I am and who I am. Um, I did run for Congress in 2010 and 2012, and uh, ran as a LaRouche Democrat in the tradition of John F. Kennedy and Franklin Roosevelt, the real tradition of the Democratic Party, which has long been lost, and has um, and ran as a, a LaRouche Democrat um, at, uh, in the tradition of economist and statesman Lyndon LaRouche, and won those nominations at that time, and my campaign centered around the fight to uh, put a stop and end to the presidency of Barack Obama. And uh, some people may know about this, but I ran my campaigns on the platform of save NASA, impeach Obama, because of the atrocity, the uh, crimes that Barack Obama was committing against our space program that went uh, much further than his attacks and uh, the defunding that happened under his administration of the Constellation and the shuttle program. But it was uh, what what we can continue to expect with a third Obama administration with Biden-Harris with the total just ending of the space program. And um, so I have continued to be an advocate and a strong fighter and supporter for NASA and what the space program represents, not just as um, a program that aims to launch to uh, the moon and Mars, but the significance of this for the transformation 
uh, of our, our nation uh, scientifically and economically. So um, I have been a very strong supporter and advocate of the work coming out of President President Trump's administration, the president of the United States right now, who has won his election, as we've been talking about on this call, despite what the media, uh, when when the media has the ability to call an election, you know it's, it's right. all over. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, at, and the fact that um, when the president, uh, President Trump came in, he not only initiated a strong support for um, NASA with bringing in a spectacular program, which a lot of people may not know about, but at the very beginning of his campaign, uh, pardon me, of his presidency, he actually launched what is uh, signed a declaration um, called Space Policy Directive 1, calling for returning the first woman and the next man to the moon by 2024. At that time, it was 2028, and um, later on, the the guideline was moved up um, to a uh, five-year period. And this dec- the first declaration was signed in uh, 2017. But this, this was done at the, at the very time that the president had pulled us out of these phony uh, Paris Climate Accords, and we'll get into that because I, I heard you mention about, you know, what we can expect under a Biden presidency for the Space program and NASA. Um, well, we've already seen this. Um, you know, who was a strong advocate of this whole, you know, climate agenda, man-made climate change, Paris Climate Accord? That was Barack Obama with his vice president Joe Biden, and that was their commitment, and that's going to continue to be their commitment. Is uh, anti-science, anti development and going for a green uh, anti-growth fascist agenda. For, and so that's what the space program under Biden was driven by. And we, we're already seeing that. I was just um, reviewing a, you know, uh, an article referring to the policy that would be enacted under Biden when he would have uh, – which, who he would choose as his administrator, um, the name that's been floated around is Lori Garver. And Lori Garver was the deputy administrator under uh, Barack Obama's administration, and she has already strongly stated um, they were Garver, um, Biden, and Harris were speaking at a recent event right after the election and the emphasis was on um, the NASA going back to or representing the policies for climate change. And I I wrote down here, um, you know, first of all, that their policies would be based on the Democratic Party platform, which um, goes back, I wrote with their platform for NASA uh, in the Democratic Party platform was, which was um, to, uh, says, quote, Democrats additionally support strengthening NASA and oceanic and atmospheric administration's Earth 
observation missions to better understand how climate change is impacting our home planet. Uh, and it, uh, Garber later on this past week on the 7th, I believe uh, right after the election, speaking, said that, uh, quote, managing the Earth's ability to sustain human life and biodiversity will likely, in my view, uh, dominate a, a civil space agenda for Biden and Harris administration. So that gives you a sense of, you know, what you would get there. But hmm. what we can look forward to with the continuation of President Trump's administration is a science driver mission orientation. Um, not only do we have the Artemis program, uh, which has been, I would encourage people, I don't know how many people know about this, but if you go to the NASA website, um, they put together a 74-page report on what, how we would actually bring about a long-duration, sustainable presence um, on the moon for uh, long-term exploration of the moon and developing the moon as a base for exploration to Mars. And this is something that I'm very familiar with and something that uh, I have been advocating for and has been a number one priority and platform of the LaRouche movement um, and the LaRouche Political Political Action Committee because we have uh, Lyndon LaRouche actually developed the concept for a Mars colonization program uh, that goes back to the 1980s. And we can wow. get into to that a little bit more. Um, he actually established uh, one of his, as when he ran for president of the United States, uh, one of his platforms was the development of a program that we, there was a half hour television program um, that was called Woman on, The Woman on Mars. And we worked with, at that time, I mean, that was long before my time, I'm, I'm only 40, uh, 43 right right now, but um, um, so I was just a kid. But I studied this, and at that time, um, the idea of a Mars colonization program was not just you know how do we you know quickly get people off the Earth and fly people in a shuttle to Mars, but it was to be a continuation of what the Apollo program represented under President John F. Kennedy as a crash program science driver. And, um, you know, you look at the economic development and the spinoffs of the Apollo program and what it represented, represented for transforming the real economy. And that's what, you know, the intention of, you know, advancing the highest technology demonstrations um, and a part, a big part of that program, and which has to be a part of the program for Artemis uh, today, uh, is the development of fusion-powered propulsion systems. So this is what you can really bring into Trump administration and under administ an administration that is not driven by 
uh, Malthusian anti-growth, anti-science policies. Uh, once you had Barack Obama saying, uh, telling African students that they don't need no fancy fusion and we have to wow. uh, limit, <laughs> yeah, limit the amount of um, scientific and economic progress. You know, everybody can't drive cars and have air, air conditioning. Um, that's what you, you know, that's what you're going to get under a uh, Paris Climate Accord agenda, and it's already happening right now. You know, that's that's a part of Biden's so-called Build Back Better craziness. Um, <laughs> it's build, build Back to the Dark Ages is what we're going to have. <laughs> it is what it sounds like. Now, I was watching mm-hmm. something uh, a video we're gonna we're gonna cover some more information uh, about in the, in the in the following in the coming weeks and there was a I watched um, with the uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the foundation that I was uh, it was in regards to and it was the uh, there was a two it was two parts it was an hour long it was. Uh, it's an hour-long conference call, and it had the uh, Rockefeller Foundation. Yeah, you know, about the the Rockefeller Foundation and how they're talking about. Now, I mean, I mean, if you watch the first half hour of the video, and again, uh, we'll talk about it more in the upcoming weeks. Uh, yeah, it's sounded, you know, it's sounded kind of nice. I mean, yeah, they're like, yeah, we want to go to you know, like these. Uh, these places in Africa and, you know, some of these other more remote areas install, you know, like solar panels and do these, you know, kind of these micro energy plants, you know, things of that nature where though, you know, where it's hard to get, you know, you just, your, your, your lines of, of electric in these areas that have these little like solar ports, you know, that can give them electricity, which sounds kind of nice. But then they're talking about, you know, of course, they want to bring in the international monetary fund. And then you, of course, you know, who, really funds the International Monetary Fund. Um, but then they're also talking about, you know, carbon pricing, you know, because uh, the second half is when they really get into it, uh, which doesn't sound so nice because you had um, Mary Robinson, who was the, the president of Ireland, uh, which I'm a, you know, I'm a real, that's one of my big interests is Ireland. I, you know, but just hearing from her kind of, you know, broke my heart of sports. <laughs> but, um but they're talking about, you know, you know, carbon, you know, of course, you know, they're talking about the carbon tax, you know, again, and right. bringing that back on. And that was John Kerry. And they're talking about maybe John Kerry being the, uh, the you know, climate change czar, you know, things of that nature. Um, and, of course, they're talking about, you know, rejoining the uh, these organizations that are obviously anti-American. Uh, I mean, they – so, yeah, but that, that's what we're – as you said – that's what we're getting ready to look at, you know, if if they're able to pull off the steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been a part of the agenda for the uh, for people like Mark Carney, uh, who was the, with the Bank of England, and um, you know, you have these carbon uh, swaps, carbon trade, basically that what it represented is companies or or agencies that did not follow with the climate agenda, uh, Paris Climate Accord, or uh, the agenda for reducing CO2 emissions, 
which is a big part of this, uh, would be cut off from cut off from funding from these large banking operations. And so that's you know that's been a part of the plan and the platform. But you you look at this from the standpoint of you know what is actually happening and what has been the fear of the globalists, the in terms of those pushing the uh, zero climate emissions and man-made climate change. This this whole operation is absolutely infuriated by what the president has done and what we're actually accomplishing in terms of the breakthroughs in scientific and technological progress that have been missing for a very long time. So uh, I think one thing to look at is give people a sense right now of what we are doing and and have accomplished and what's been put back on the agenda, uh, including uh, the spectacular work that's now going on. And, you know, some people will try to debate and say that, you know, uh, a lot of this started um, in the previous administration. And, yes, it, it did in terms of some of the work of SpaceX and the commercial space flight is right now what you're going to do with that and having a long-term mission. So what we're doing with the International Space Station and, one, the fact that we just launched um, this past starting on Sunday, um, a mission to the International Space Station, which was the second mission of a NASA and commercial space flight, SpaceX, to the International Space Station. And this one was quite spectacular. You know, both were. The first mission happened in uh, earlier this summer uh, at the end of uh, March with – Doug Hurley and Bob Binken, the NASA astronauts that flew up the, the Dragon SpaceX rocket and the, te- the Demo 2 test mission for two months to the International Space Station. And, you know, much at all, in ter- you know, yes, we continue to have, you know, with that, we continue to have our astronauts flying aboard the Soyuz spacecraft. Yeah. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. it had been. Two, uh, it had been almost ten years um, since the last SPS yeah. uh, space shuttle mission. And, and, and don't you find it ironic? And I just thought of this, uh, Keisha. I find it ironic how for four years you had people like Adam Schiff, and then you had uh, you know other. I, I hate saying this because I know you're a Democrat, but you're, you're, as I said, I've said this many times: the Democrat Party is not the party of JFK anymore. <laughs> No, and they, and they <laughs> haven't been. Um, no, but you know, so but you have people like you know, you know Adam Schiff, and you know, saying, "Oh my gosh, this, uh, you know, Russia collusion and, and, and Trump's a Russian agent." When you had for four years, you had or eight years during the Obama administration, when they didn't have any problem working with Russia, sending our Americans on their Russian spacecrafts. So nope, if Russia's nope. such a if if Russia's such a bad actor, if we should be so afraid of Russia, then why the heck are, you know why the heck are we okay with sending our astronauts, some of our best and brightest, on Russian ships to go into space if they're such a bad actor? 
<laughs> yeah, you know it's it's a, a phony uh, argument. It's a fraud. So, and as a matter of fact, uh, we have to continue uh, the the cooperation as we have been uh, with our Russian um, partners on in space uh, in the inter- international space station, and uh, it's pretty fascinating to see that just today there was a five-hour uh, spacewalk by the two Russian cosmonauts on the ISS, and uh, we've been working for over 20 years now, um, and this goes deeper than, you know, the insanity of uh, the policies that the Obama administration or Biden administration uh, might want to try to bring about because um, despite that, uh, one thing that hasn't broken is our relationship in terms of cooperation um, in space with the with various nations around the world. I mean, obviously, you know, part of the problem also in terms of international cooperation in space has been um, some of the policies coming of, uh, out of our uh, coming out of our Congress um, in terms of working with uh, working with countries like China. Uh, and, you know, I think that some of the problems that we face here on on Earth in terms of the conflicts between our nations could be solved because we saw this prior to 1975 um, when, uh, when the U.S. actually, Soviet Union, and we had our first mission when everybody said, okay, we can't go with, you know, communist um, Soviet Union, Russia, you know, they were our enemies. and We were at a, well, war, uh, but we were in competition with them. But at the same time, we were able to overcome that and to define a new era of cooperation with the, uh, after the mission was launched of the Apollo-Soyuz mission in in 75. Um, And that was, you know, after our uh, Apollo missions had ended. So, yes, what we're doing and the developments on the International Space Station uh, for, you know, this this month marked the 20th anniversary and have been absolutely spectacular. And it's going to be essential, uh, the science and technology demonstration that we're doing. And that's the interesting thing about this mission that just launched is it wasn't just historic because it had four astronauts flying for the first time on one spacecraft, which has never happened before, but the science and technology demonstrations that they're doing has increased spectacularly. Um, You know, they got programs that they're looking at, like, you know, development of uh, biomining and, um, yeah, how you, and also the the question of uh, they have my, microbes, uh, like microorganisms that they have taken to the space station to use them to test and do uh, various research on biomine. Uh, this is they're continuing work on DNA sequencing. They're doing work with uh, 3D printing of tissues uh, and heart wow. tissues. To, 
So, and you know, because the question thing is, well, when you start talking about going and living for long term on the moon or Mars, you know, you're going to deal with a lot more radiation and um, a, a lot more harsh environment on the human body. And it's one thing going in, you know, into microgravity, going uh, into low Earth orbit and the space station. It's another thing when you're talking about sending human beings to the moon for long-term stays and, you know, and building habitats on the moon and, uh, and then also going to, to Mars. Now that's a whole other can of worms. So, um, you know, the one thing they have is uh, what's called the cardinal heart. It studies how the changes in gravity will affect the cardiovascular cell. And uh, as I said, as a part of this investigation, they're using 3D engineered heart tissue um, and a type of uh, tissue chip. So, you know, this is pretty spectacular. To me, it's not part of my uh, background or field, but definitely, you know, you think about that, how that's going to impact, you know, there's a lot that we have to come to understand and learn. It's not just, you know, let's build a spacecraft, let's send people, you know, fly people up to the moon and return them safely to Earth, but we are uh, really increasing mankind's reach into the solar system. And that's the, a part of really what's what's on the agenda here, the question of what is the the role of man in the universe, in the solar system. You know, that when we can accomplish and make these type of scientific breakthroughs, we can solve any problem. And I, I really want to get... Uh... If, if he still stays to be Senator Elect Kelly, um, you know, on the show is that you know just some of the comments that he's made, uh, you know, about about going to the moon, and and he's like he kind of has the blase attitude of well you've kind of been there done that, you know, like oh well we've already been to the moon right, and you know I had a quote. Uh, you know, from him, that, uh, there was an article, but I have to relook that up. But I mean, that's kind of like it was this blase attitude about it. Oh, you know, been there, done that. But one of the things that, <laughs> yeah, you know, unfortunately, that's astronaut. why he didn't get the endorsement of uh, uh, of Buzz Aldrin <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. of that attitude. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and then uh, and I was like, oh well. If, the, the space programming, the space force—that's, you know, it's the, the same. But but we'll, that's a, a, a topic I'll, I'll I'll cover for another time. But but and with what we're talking about here, because space force doesn't really have to do anything where you know with the, the environment per se. But I mean, as you mentioned earlier about fusion, I mean they talk all the they talk all the time about you know wanting to have clean energy, well mm-hmm. you know and, and in abundance, and you can have these these. Uh, you know the, these micro reactors, these micro nuclear reactors, and these. I mean, yes, solar power. You know, but so, I mean, it, it's not always sunny, right? I mean, you, you know, you better technology. So, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I I consider myself what I call a green, you know, a green conservative. Where you know, green like the I didn't coin the phrase. Uh, New Gingrich did. You know, green conservatism. Where he's like, look, I mean, we believe in protecting the planet, and we you know, believe in being conservationists, and you know, 
let, let's support things such as you know, like solar power, but we have to we have to make sure we get there. Like like the the documentary there that I watched when they were talking about you know how much it costs uh, you know per kilowatt hour for for solar is like oh yeah it's relatively cheap. It's like well when I they're saying it's like you know nine twenty cents per kilowatt hour for for solar power. Well, when I was in now I went back to college in my thirties, so that was about uh, ten something years ago. And so when I went to college about eleven years ago or so, it was still about twenty cents per kilowatt hour for for solar. But they're like, oh well, that's cheap. Well, no, not when you have natural gas is six cents a kilowatt hour. You know, so you're talking about tripling people's energy. And if, if you want to use it across here in the United States, um, you know, while, whereas I, I support solar energy, right now it still is going to cost people, you know, about three times more than than using the using what we use now, you know, with natural gas and coal. And so with these, you know, with now bring it over to the fusion, the fusion power. Now, right now, it takes more energy to create fusion power than fusion power gives. But, right. you know, if they can get the technology to to do fusion, there's clean energy. You're not going to have the radiation because I know a lot of environmentalists do not like nuclear uh, because of the, the radiation and the nuclear waste and things of that nature. But it's much different with nuclear fusion. And the way to have a, a successful nuclear fusion program, again, is to go back to Mars, go back to the moon, set up bases, set up colonies there to, you know, harvest the helium-3 for nuclear fusion so you can have a, a, an abundant, you know, energy, right. renewable energy here on the planet. So it, it only behooves their agenda to keep up the space program, to keep up the Artemis program, because it actually helps them. It helps what their agenda is. No, I'm not saying we need to, you know, unify and you know, with with these guys. But and, well, we gotta find common ground. I'm not saying that. Now, certainly not the time for that. Especially since, which a little side note to here, Keisha is it, one of my pet peeves lately is all this call for unity. It's like, well, wait a minute. Didn't give you know the uh, you know our side, I guess, conservative side or whatever. You didn't give us unity for five years. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> You want us to have unity now? I mean, what hypocrisy is that? You guys, you know, oh, you're not accepting this election. It's like you didn't accept it for five years or four years. Yeah. Well, one thing, though, is that when you talk about, you know, we're talking about the question of uh, energy density. And um, when you you think about nuclear power or fusion uh, power, uh, first of all, you know, People say, "Oh well, people should support nu- nuclear power uh, because it's it's carbon uh, free. You know that you don't wow. have the, all the same types of uh, you know carbon emissions and so forth that you would have with with other you know you know coal or you know so forth. It's and it's safe and um, but we really are looking at is." how much energy density, you know, will you get out of fusion power, um, fusion, fission uh, power, than you would out of um, solar or wind or 
uh, or even coal. Um, and so and that's that's the argument. And I agree with what you're saying because, you know, one thing that, for instance, NASA is looking at is uh, the development of uh, fission-powered nuclear plants for the moon. Uh, this is something that, that the NASA and the uh, DOE, Department of Energy, is working on and calling on uh, proposals from industry right now to build nuclear power plants on the moon uh, and Mars for support for long-term exploration plans, which would be very important because, you know, before, obviously, as we develop the resources for mining on the moon and going there, you know, we have understood since Apollo 17 with uh, our geologist Harrison Smith, uh, astronaut, who, you know, that, and, and, you know, with the samples we brought back from from going to the moon prior, um, that there is an abundance of what's known uh, of a resource, resource called helium-3, as you said. And now the question is, you know, how how would you mine that? And I know that this has been talked about by many scientists, that you have to have certain instruments to do that. So it'll probably take a little while before we would be able, you know, I've heard, you know, reports that one payload of helium-3 could power the entire United States, or I think it's the entire world, actually, for a year. Um, You know, so that's that's pretty spectacular. But you would have to be able to get those resources back here to Earth and able to start to process and and mine and utilize them. But so in the meantime, as we're working on that too, uh, we would be looking at, okay, well, you can power stations on the moon, you know, habitats on the moon with what they're calling for now, such as the, uh, they want to build for uh, 10, make sure it's right, 10 kilowatts. Uh, yes, nuclear plant uh, four ten kilowatt nuclear plants uh, for the for the moon, and so. But now, when you okay, so you're talking about just you know being able to power stations and habitats and so forth on the moon. That's one thing. Now, what you're talking about in terms of uh, fusion powered systems. Uh, particularly for propulsion systems, this is something that we've been looking at and uh, really is something that has to be on the agenda and developed when we're serious, seriously talking about a um, space, talking about space flights to Mars. Because if you try to talk about going to Mars Sending human beings on um, commercial—not commercial, excuse me—chemical propulsion systems, uh, then you're probably going to have a big blob when they <laughs> when they get there. You know, you know the uh, the ability for uh, the human body to sustain that level of radiation and travel, and so is right. is pretty much not. I know people are trying to talk about, well, how do you cut the time? You know, can we still fly on um, advanced systems? But it, it's 
not going to work. You, we have to develop the full development of fusion, uh, thermonuclear fusion propulsion, and for 1G acceleration. So you want to be able, you know, we got to get people there in, you know, a matter of just a few days, three days or five days. I know this is something that, you know, when you think about uh, 1G acceleration, you're accelerating all the way there. And once you get towards the um, orbit of, of Mars, and then you want to start to decelerate. And so uh, this is something that we have done a lot of work on. I'd encourage people to go to the LaRouche Political Action Committee website, and, you know, uh, we have a section there that goes through um, the space program and uh, three uh, in uh, fusion propulsion systems, and this is this has been a part of what we said has to be at the forefront of a science driver crash program, uh, the development of fusion uh, systems here on Earth for you know economic development for crash program operation. So, so now I wonder how fast. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I wonder how fast you you're mentioning that, and I was looking up. Um, you know, the current distance from Mars to Earth is about 51.84 million miles. Um, mm-hmm. and that's that's the current what it what it is now. So when you were talking about you know 1G acceleration, so you're talking about 58 you know or 51 let's you know point let's just say 51.84 million uh, miles. So that's what million 184,000, right? Right, and you're talking about doing that in five days, so that's one million that's one million three hundred sixty thousand i'm sorry one million thirty six thousand eight hundred uh miles a day and so divide that by divide that by twenty four and you're talking about going two hundred and sixteen thousand miles per hour. That's how fast you're going. You'd have to, in order to that travel that, you'd have, right. you have to be going. I about that, but that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, you would so. have to go 206. Could you imagine that? Traveling 216,000 miles per hour. That means every mile, every hour you travel 216,000 miles. Well, to get to actually, the, the uh, to get to the. Yeah, huh. you know, engineer here, you actually go faster than that because you have to. Um, you don't start at that speed. You accelerate to it. Then you'd mm-hmm. have to go That's probably true. twice as fast, and then you have to slow down too. So, yeah, as an average, that's what the average would be, but you have to accelerate probably to double that and then decelerate, otherwise you're going to smack into the moon. Crash into it, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So that's, four, that's 400, that would be 432 thousand miles per hour that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow so let's see um that's that's interesting yeah so that's uh 432 thousand miles that is that's 7200 miles per minute so and then so if you want to then divide that by seconds 
So you're talking about well, that's not too bad. You're only you're only talking about going 120 miles per second. <laughs> well, <clears throat> uh, well, at some point. point. Yeah, I mean, this is what's exciting about when engineers get involved. They can start figuring this out, and you get nuclear physicists involved for for great power density. Um, one of the challenges, though, when you're going that fast, say you have some space rock that's the size of a yeah shielding a lens. yeah yeah you, boom. I mean, you're gonna it, Boeing designs. I knew an engineer that actually worked on this. Um, they would take frozen geese. Uh, and then they'd unthaw them, and then the wind tunnels, they'd throw them at the windshields because geese are known to fly up to 20,000 feet. And so the, the windshields are designed so that the geese don't break into the cockpit. Um, and so all sorts of factors have to be figured out. I mean, as an engineer, it'd be, it'd be a fun project to work on. Um, and so, that you know, it's going to take what – Say we have the great power density necessary now, well then uh, you'd have to implement it, test it, and then design a spaceship around that almost, and then a bazillion problems to solve to get them there and back safely in a short time. I mean that would be, you know, I could just see engineers get all giddy if they get on this uh, on uh, a NASA pro- uh, project like this. So it, you know. If we have the yeah. technology, we can do it. <laughs> no, it's true. Sure, it's I true. Can... I mean, and that's the that's the the thing is that we should be me organizing a crash program, uh, a science driver mission that uh, our engineers and scientists, and you know that this would be a major program for NASA uh, to be able to bring in. You know, all the types of young engineers from the university systems, and you know, this should definitely be a part of the discussion for how we're going to uh, complete the Artemis program, which, as as I said, only starts with the idea of launching uh, missions to the moon. But uh, the idea is within a few decades later we want to start developing missions to Mars and you know it's only really one way you're going to do that you're going to have to increase the ability to uh, get there much faster than what we would be able to do with um, the uh, obsolete chemical chemical propulsion systems and I think a lot of people are starting to, to realize that So it looks like we're actually getting close. So I got this interactive thing on Mars right now. So it looks like the closest okay. The the closest we'll ever be to uh to Mars is or we were, I guess uh, there was I'm trying to backtrack. Let's say was um was on September the twenty seventh. And I now you might know these better than me, but it's point four one AU. So you know what that is, Kelly? I mean, I don't know how many miles that is, um, but that was back on September. Um, oh, it's moving, but uh, well, it says October, but yeah, the, the closest we'll ever get looks like a 0.41 AUs, which is like 
don't know how many miles that is. I mean, you got you the engineer could figure that one out, I guess. But yeah, in October, Mars was the closest, I believe, uh, to to Earth. It has been a while. That was for yeah. Yeah, that was back in yeah, that was back in uh, September. Yeah, that was back in um, September. September so is when AU, it was, we were the closest. Yeah, an AU is called uh, astronomical unit. Unit, uh, right? Yeah, it's based on the distance, the average distance, really, uh, between the Earth and the Sun, or 93 million miles, and it's eight light minutes. So anyway, so we're to develop something that we can if, if we do it that way, which is continual acceleration. Uh, well, we're just a bunch of geeks on here, aren't we? But uh, <laughs> but we, uh, yeah. I mean, now Kelly, you're the engineer here, and is there anything that you can make shielding wise that can protect something that's going a hundred that 120 miles per second? I mean, is there anything well, we that just, travels that fast right now? Well, uh, for a shield, why don't we just strap a bunch of politicians on the front of the space module? I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I think, I think, yeah. Um, Adam, Adam Schiff well, should be. Adam Schiff would be my first, uh, my first choice. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, there is um, tank technology um, has phenomenal hardness and is lightweight. When I was working on a project, uh, FMC in San Jose, I got to hold some of this tank material. And it's about as light as wood, but it's obviously incredibly tough. Did you say tank or paint? Tank, as in with tracks, boom, boom, panzer tanks, Sherman tanks, uh-huh. um, battery tanks. Okay. Yeah, tanks. Huh. Cause they, that, that's some real material specialties. And even... Just the material design, we've come a long, long way. I mean, there's a whole discipline. It's called material science. And uh, they have come a long, long way in hard as well as light. Um, titanium titanium uh, has pretty good hardness and a lot of strength for its lightness. Um, and different metals have different hardnesses. And then you add, you have a combination of metals, you have... Um, sometimes you add carbon or other elements. Uh, molybdenum, I think, is one. There's just a bunch of um, oh, a recipe, if you will. And, of course, that would be um, something we don't want any adversaries to get a hold of because then they would start using it on their tanks. But, you know, explosive armor is another possibility, which is used in tanks. The second something hits, it explodes outward. Um, but yeah, these these little problems. I mean, even if a, if a uh, pea-sized rock hits at 400,000 mile an hour, I mean that's gonna at least send the module off course. But these are the things you plan for. Um, August there seems to be um, every year meteor showers. Just something about we go through a a belt of of, of meteors. Um, so, I mean, they, they would figure this all out. Okay, we don't launch in, in August because there's too much space dust, what have you. And, of course, you know, you got to watch out for the satellites that are up there, and there's literally hundreds of them. But, they, see, they'd figure this stuff all out. Um, I mean, you, you get geeks in a room, and, you know, they'd be all happy, <laughs> excited, you know, and then you, you 
take them off on a for call a or something. No. <laughs> yeah, so, so then you, you take you, you take about twenty of these geeks and you and, and you walk them down Main Street. It's called Geeks on Parade. I mean, <laughs> anyway. Well, it's Bard's logic. Wait. What do you <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing about it is that um, this is important to figure out for our understanding of the development of systems right here on Earth. And as I was saying before, you know, part of uh, figuring out, you know, how we would develop these systems for travel, uh, space, space travel to the moon and Mars, but also... Um, what you would learn in terms of the technology demonstrations, the breakthroughs, uh, as mm-hmm. is being prepared and learned on the International Space Station right now, is going, you know, we would be able to develop uh, energy systems for Earth that is the energy density for, um, for Earth for a very long time, for uh, cheaper power systems and to be able to develop uh, new medical technologies, uh, all different types of breakthroughs that would be a result of making these breakthroughs not just in terms of spaceflight, but in terms of the different um, research and technology demonstrations that would come about from and the you know spinoffs and materials, as you were just saying. Um, that we would be able to develop from uh, from making these breakthroughs. Yeah, so that's pretty, also very important. I wish I would. Yeah, I wish I'd take that into consideration. It's like you know all the different technologies and advances uh, that we would use, you know, here at home uh, by you know expanding expanding the the space program. You know, just think of all. I mean, the the return the return of investment. I mean, I, I hear different numbers. You know, I mean, I hear anywhere from seven dollars per dollar spent to forty dollars return of investment on dollars spent. You know, when you're in a space program. You know, so I hear you know because that's one of the things that they're talking about uh, when they want to get this, um, you know, the, this, this energy across you know the planet. They they try to say it's you know it's capitalistic, but again, I'll have to watch the watch it again. But uh, again, the first the first half of that video. It, and again, it had the uh, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation. I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about that. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about the Rockefeller Foundation, but I guess I'd have to, you know, learn more about them. But what about the Rockefeller Foundation? I, I there's not. I don't know a lot about them I, actually at this point. But they were just there was yeah. one of the people who were on the call. They're one of the organizations. It was the Rockefeller Foundation and then there was another guy from a different um organization. I can't remember what that was, but then uh, that was in the first half hour. In the second half hour it was uh John Kerry and Mary Robinson uh were were talking <laughs> about you know, about the you know, about the program. Um you know, so but I'll have to Got the video somewhere again. I'll have to up the probably watch it, but it's well, about a half you, an hour. Um, I mean, I would, an hour documentary. On on your question in terms of the economic impacts, and uh, I was going to say another thing you should 
look at, I would encourage people, I was telling you about the uh, Artemis program overview that NASA put out. It's 74 pages, and it, you know, details every step of the different agencies around uh, organizations connected with NASA around the country working on it, you know, how, you know, the payloads that would go up um, to prepare the way for the the human missions to back to the moon, um, you know, which it, the whole program is pretty spectacular. But and just in terms of uh, some of the uh, the companies working on mining technologies, working on uh, building of mm-hmm. the habitats for um, for the Gateway program, uh, the lunar landers, um, the pro- programs that would 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 mine uh, resources on the moon. So, but so it's, it's pretty spectacular. Another thing that they put out is called the economic impact report, and I was just pulling that back up here because they did they did a special report for uh, fiscal year 2019 in terms of you know given the fact that NASA you know has done quite spectacular uh, missions just in the last year or so, uh, and including the Mars mission uh, of Perseverance, the 2020 Mars rover. And, you know, a lot of this was done, you know, obviously people know what we've been in the uh, tragic situation in the mi- middle of with the COVID-19, um, COVID virus. Mm-hmm. And we're still able to do uh, it, right? Yeah, and we're still, yeah, and we're still able to do that, at, you know, and which was quite spectacular. And they had so um, NASA put it that their 2019 efforts, uh, fiscal year 2019 efforts, generated a total economic output of more than $64 billion uh, and supported wow. more than 312,000 jobs. Um, it resulted in nearly $7 billion in federal, state, and local tax revenues and impacted all 50 states uh, in the District of Columbia, um, just as a quick uh, snapshot there of, and, wow. you know, you also, you know, because you had, you know, in the middle of the COVID, you know, not only did we launch the SpaceX uh, NASA Dragon um, mission, they demo two mission, um, you know, for the first time, we, we also launched the, um, as I said, the, Mars 2020 Perseverance mission, which is uh, very close to uh, making it three days out from Mars orbit. Um, it's supposed yeah, to be that's, um, Mars, yeah, it's Mars by 2021. February, yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty exciting. And, um, you know, and at the same time, you know, what NASA workers did in terms of a lot of them were put on PPE assignments or they used their time to um, make breakthroughs in the development of um, uh, ventilators and other equipment mm-hmm. to deal with the COVID crisis. Um, and, you know, that, were, that actually got approved through the FDA 
So, so that's and, and so that was a part of the economic development as well of NASA in terms of what they were able to accomplish. So that just, as I said, it gives you a snapshot, but um, they have, you know, and it goes through some of the spinoffs that came about in terms of medical and, and other spinoffs uh, that were developed through NASA and the economic impact. And that's just for one year, but you can imagine uh, what we can accomplish if we continue to go in this direction. No, certainly, and, and and that's why it'll get wired when people say, "Ah, eh, yeah, the space program, it's just not a big deal." We got we got much more important things uh, to focus on, and I'm and I'm thinking, really, I mean, it just and not to try to sound mean, but I mean, I, I just think it's ignorance. <laughs> you know, you just don't know. And I, I mean, I wish I wish Trump would. I mean, he did mention the Artemis program going back to Mars, um, but I wish he would have talked more about the benefits of it. You know, maybe during his speeches, maybe during the, the State of the Union addresses, maybe even actually have an actual press conference solely, you know, or more maybe, you know, you know, solely on about the Artemis program. So, I mean, I think just a lot of people don't really see, and the media, of course, isn't going to cover it, uh, don't really see all the all the benefits of, of, of having it. Yeah, well, I mean, you said said that, but, you know, it's true, true. and the president's, you know, rallies and so forth, he might have mentioned you know, kind of with everything that we're going to have a, a woman on the moon and a man on Mars mm-hmm. soon. Um, but uh, I believe it was in his 2020 State of the Union address, um, you know, one of the things he talked about was very beautiful, was the question of the pioneering spirit um, of discovery and, you know, mm-hmm. what our nation was built on and the commitment toward, you yeah. know, having a new frontier and that new frontier being uh, the development of space. And so a lot of people remember that, that, you know, he talked about that. Uh, he mentioned it again when he was at um, Mount Everest. No, not Mount Everest. Uh, yeah. Mount uh, Rushmore. At M- Mount Rushmore. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, he did. I've he, seen that speech. That's true. Yeah, you yeah you remember that, and it was very inspiring, very powerful, um, because it's not it's this idea that we're not just doing this to say you've know, been there, done that, or okay, let's just have a space mission because that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> right. But the idea is, you know, what is the pioneering nature of man to make new discoveries, to explore uh, in new paths for mankind that, you know, haven't been explored or in, in new ways. And so, you know, it was interesting hearing that, you know, come from the president and when he signed the Space Policy Directive 1, you know, that was mm-hmm. what the um, the idea that was set forth in that. So, and you, so you have a, a lot of people as, um, as a friend uh, on, on, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name, who <laughs> said that, Kelly. you know, they're, huh? Are you talking about Kelly? Kelly? No. Yeah. On the, yeah, on the call right now. Yeah, me, uh, Robert and Kelly. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, as Robert said, that we, that, you know, we have so many people that we can 
bring into such a profound mission, um, you know, that are ready to be brought into a national mission, a science driver. Uh, you know, you think about, we t- people talk about all the time what happened with the Apollo program when we set the vision and the mission and said um, we need everybody to join in the, this development and unleashed our universities, uh, unleashed our engineers. People started going and studying in, in these fields uh, very rapidly, and people who had probably never thought about it before said, you know, this is a mission that they wanted to be a part of. And I see that happening now uh, if it's not stifled. And that's what they're trying to do is because yeah. they want to make sure nobody knows about this. And I thought it was pretty um, pretty exciting that not only um, is the president, but also, you know, even in the GOP um, platform in terms of, you know, what they put out of what you can expect in the second Trump administration, uh, they put out a tweet that the first two two initiatives that they identified were the um, – the president's intention to uh, send the first woman to the the moon and uh, to launch a mission to Mars. And so that was pretty spectacular, you know, given the fact that, as you said, some people would say, well, and they did, well, why would you put priorities or uh, programs on the agenda of the president, you know, when, you know, that's not something that people are, are interested in? Why wouldn't you put, you know, ending poverty or something. But as you said before, the ignorance is is that people would, you know, not address the fact that this would be the essential key to a program for poverty alleviation. Yeah, they could work on um yeah, certainly work work on that too. And yeah, just but what we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see, you know, hopefully yeah, again, you know, with, with the beginning of the show, is hopefully we can pull out, uh, you know, a victory with with Trump. But if not, I, right. really, I really do. I think you know, these next four years, we can definitely see a a fundamental change. And remember, Obama and, and Obama said that I mean, he wants to fundamentally change America. And you know, but, which I find obvious. I mean, interesting that. He never really spelled out what that fundamental change was. I mean, we kind of have the agenda. Change. I think you're going to have all hell break loose. (laughs) That's fundamental change is not even it. I mean, these guys have been. I I mean, let's let's be real here. We've been in the middle of an ongoing coup against the president of the United States that has been intentional. Mm -hmm. And you know, you go back to the fact that. you know, the House of Lords of the British House of Lords put out a report um, towards the middle of his presidency uh, back in 2018 that uh, under no circumstance can Donald Trump have a second term in office. So this didn't just come out, let's just be real here, with the um, uh, so-called stealing of the votes. Um, this this is a part of an ongoing coup. Remember, they tried to impeach the president on phony charges that he was talking with a um, colleague, at, uh, 
you're talking with. You're, you're breaking up there real quick. I hate to say you're, you're kind of breaking up there. Oh, I am. I'm sorry. Okay. Thanks. Oh, that's okay. Is that is that better? Okay. Yeah. So, so the point I was just making is, you know, they tried to impeach the president on phony charges. Um, you know, they ran this coup, uh, the RussiaGate hoax. And, you know, I know we were talking about that before, but, you know, for people to just be reminded here of, you know, they should have seen this coming. We knew what they were going to do, try to do, um, that they had already made their plans clear. Uh, Biden let it out the, out, out the bag in terms of, you know, we have the biggest vote fraud <laughs> operation, uh, you know, and but so this has been the intention all along, and the point is, is that right now what we've been discussing um, this whole time since I've been on, and you know prior uh, when you guys were discussing the question of what um, is going to happen if uh, this president continues and they get away with stealing this election, then you can hang it up. You know, as a, you know, forget it. You can hang it up for NASA for sure, but you can hang it yeah. up for our Constitution and for our nation because that's why right now the American people being out on the streets as they have been in force has to continue. You know, we had representatives oh, out, out. I myself was out in Austin, Texas, major rally out there. We had people out in, um, you know, Stop the Steal rally all over the country and it's especially in Washington DC, um, which was pretty phenomenal to see. And so uh, I just wanted to make that point that that has to continue. Everything we're talking about mm-hmm. right now uh, has to be the driver for human progress and, you know, in terms of the, the driver the, the space program has to be the inspiration. You know, what do we you want to see brought about? And as we go back to the beginning of the discussion that what you would get is pure, um, you know, Malthusian, you know, mass population reduction policies under uh, Biden, Harris, uh, Obama policies. And so that's why we really have to make sure that we defeat this um, dirty, evil operation uh, that's much bigger than just, you know, an election fraud. Yeah, it's going to, you know, there's, there's going to have to be a fight in the courts, but, you know, this is bigger than the courts. There has to be a mass movement in the streets of the American people that's not yeah. going to put up with it, that's going to fight right. to save the republic. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, I've been saying that for a while. I've been saying, look, we need to get out there and especially, like, protest in front of the headquarters of, like CNN, MSNBC, the, the, the you know New York Times, and say, look, you one, we're tired of you lying to us, and two, you, you lying to us and withholding withholding information. Yeah, that's really what you that's really what your people have been doing. And I, I mean, yeah. we need to have. I mean, if you can get if you can get the, the I mean, if you just take one city and say, look, let's just get the, the the same amount of people who went to a Trump rally, get all these people to a Trump route who who would go to a Trump rally, invite them to you know the headquarters of CNN or MSNBC or the New York Times or NPR, and have people protest, tell them how we're tired of them lying and holding back information because they're trying to protect, you know, the career politicians. 
And I think that might be a wake-up call. I'm, you know, I'm not saying they, they need to be violent protests, uh, but uh, protests nonetheless. But, yeah, we I've been saying for a long time, uh, and I know Kelly's uh, heard me say it a lot, uh, where I was like, look, we, we need to start taking it to the streets. Well, this weekend they did. They had a ton of people, ton of people in Washington, D.C. Um, I, was, I was listening to a LaRouche Pat call, uh, I believe it was yesterday, no, Monday, and, uh, and people reporting in, and they had these all over the country, and uh, the LaRouche Pat people were there hand, handing out leaflets, and they were quite encouraged, um, and some people hadn't even heard of the LaRouche Pat. I guess it was. They talked to my neighbor, an elderly man, and he said that they were. Lewis Pack was really big in the '70s during the Nixon era. Um, but yeah, I mean, Americans are taking to the street, which is nice in the sense of having a physical presence would prevent Antifa from, Antifa from doing its thing again. Um, you know, it's really. I'm sorry, Americans. Just we're not fascists here, and we're not racist either. It's really. We have come so far. We really have. Um, so yeah. anyway, yeah, it, it's yeah. But well, I guess you know, neither side is going to accept the results. That's what's coming down to. Um, so if if all this evidence is coming forward and the SCOTUS gets involved, they make a ruling that some states are going to have to um, elect their electoral college delegates. By the legislature, um, that's what school rules because elections are such a mess. Oh boy, and they got to get this resolved by the eighth. But so if that happens, you're going to have uh, red legislatures, and it's going to turn, and, and and the left will say flip the election. Well, the election isn't over yet. You can't flip something that hasn't begun. So yeah, it's um, we're in for tough times. Hopefully, we'll get through this and. You know, it, it's looking more and more like a, a communist coup or an attempted communist coup. We so. got to make sure that um, Sidney Powell is um, fully able to unleash the Kraken to release it. Oh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, <laughs> that's what we got to do to make sure. Well, here's an article. Go ahead, Kelly. And then there's I want to mention this article I've I've, I've got here that you can find on this week's uh, uh, this week's uh, run of of the Bar's Logic uh, newsroom. And you know I want to go ahead uh, go ahead, Kelly. And then I want to get to this article because it's it's kind of in line with what we were we were getting ready to uh, segue or allude to. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, well, well, Keisha, you know, I like I like how you communicate. You you kind of take your time and you're very clear. And uh, but I I got a question for you because I mean obviously it sounds like you're you know saying release the crack and you're you're aware of this. Were you um, how aware have you been of recent about the situation? And were you aware of the vulnerabilities, say six months or a year or five years ago? Were you aware of the vulnerabilities of the electronic election system uh, before this? Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's been ongoing. Um, and I heard you speaking about it earlier, but um, 
you know, now what's what's coming out, which I'm I'm following, um, you know, quite closely, and uh, some of the people who do intelligence and the Lewis Movement, our organization, um, we talk on a regular basis. So, you know, yeah, looking at the now what's coming out with the role of Dominion and um, what's coming out with some of these um, systems, uh, as Sidney Powell said, and I'm sure you followed this, about the systems that came out of Venezuela. And, you know, the fact that these systems that, were stealing our votes and elections were not be, be uh, created here in the United States, but were have been being used for um, uh, in election processes uh, against you know with Hugo Chavez of uh, Madero uh, and Venezuela and Argentina. Um, then you know that it went to Frankfurt, Germany. So <laughs> pretty pretty wild that you know or votes were being basically processed through these various systems. <laughs> so and now if if this doesn't tell you something and if we can't use this uh as very clear evidence and there's you know, now they're trying to say that, well, even if it's true it didn't flip enough votes to um, you know, to decide the election or to turn the election in in Trump's favor. But I mean, first of all, I think that if you have that at all, uh, then they should, you know, just throw out the the results of of the election in favor of um, of uh, to say that it's it's not in favor of Biden uh, because you know obviously you know I don't know maybe we should redo the entire your election uh, with a brand new system, but I doubt that's going to happen. Well, what's, uh, yeah, I, I like your, the way you said that favor, you know, it could favor Trump because, again, election hasn't happened by the Electoral College, but the left is yeah. saying overturn or flip, you know, and that, that, those precise words imply corruption, manipulation, but when an election goes in favor of somebody, well, that's just kind of indicating an honest. Uh, I stopped my neighbor because he said, "Well, you know, it could overturn the election." <laughs> no, that's a left term. That's a left term with the implications. And then, you know, down the road, you know, if Biden wins, the right's not going to trust the results. If Trump wins, accepting those people on the left who are very discerning and look at the facts and understand how the courts work. Those people on the left will accept the results, but the others, they're just not. I mean, are, are you having any concerns about how this ends up as far as acceptance of the winner? Well, it's not going to be pretty uh, <laughs> at, at all. Um, but I think the key thing is that, you know, we're going to have to be prepared for a real fight, I hope that it will not get to, you know, being in the streets where there is mass chaos and riots in the streets. And, well, I I see one thing, though, is that um, uh, when Trump, with Trump in the presidency, um, there there will definitely not, that won't happen um, because (laughs) you're going to, 
didn't bring out the, you know, National Guard and anybody else to shut that down quickly, which would be the right thing to do. Have you have you seen the uh, the report from the Election Transparency Project? No, I haven't. Oh, this is fascinating. So <clears throat> some say it was funded by Soros, but a bunch of left people, for, you know, and professors and stuff, they had war games for the outcome of the election. What would happen in their in their their premise is number one, Trump's going to lose. Number two, he won't leave office peacefully. So they go through oh, yeah. four war, mm-hmm. yeah, they go through four war game scenarios, which were I believe were in number four. It's a really close contested race, and then they're accusing Trump that he will use his power through Republican governors and legislatures, the Supreme Court, the Justice Department, FBI, da da da. He's going to hire a whole team of legal uh, lawyers. That's where we're at right now. But in war game number four, they are suggesting, oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a, a, a war game. It's just a tabletop discussion. They are saying that four million people will take to the streets. They are saying Washington, Oregon, and California will secede from the union. Barack yes, Obama, yeah, Barack Obama comes in to negotiate the the reunification, but requires that uh, Puerto Rico become a state, D.C. become a state, and the electoral college is terminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I I saw that, and that so that whole operation was exposed by a whistleblower from the uh, inside who basically you know put out exactly what the plan was. This was you know if Trump were to be elected, you know that you were going to have a takeover of. Washington, D.C., and the White House, this was a Black Lives Matter operations, and, you know, George Soros groups, leftist groups who were coming together and talking about what their plans were, and I was trying to uh, find where that that came out, a uh, girl named Millie, uh, you know, put that out, uh, that they were, the what the whole plan was exposed on what they were going to do to create total chaos and have a um, an operation run in washington d c to to take over uh, to take over the white house that's that's what you're, that was a part of the program that you're talking about there and yeah because it uh, yeah. you know four million people taking to the streets while well, we already saw what happened this summer up in Portland and Seattle and other cities, um, yeah, it's just you can't make people believe the truth. If, and I'm saying if, if the Supreme Court, if everything is adjudicated in such a way, and it's all constitutional, that the final outcome is Trump did win, which they are saying, by the way, they're saying like a 70% nationwide in the popular vote. Um. And I don't have privy to all this information like what Rudy Giuliani has or Sidney Powell has, but they obviously have a lot of information. It's just going to be it's going to be interesting from here till inauguration day and thereafter. Um, but anyway, sorry, Robert, I I committed the uh, eighth deadly sin. You did the eighth deadly sin. Yeah, you it's called hogging did. the mic. 
Yeah, the eighth deadly sin is hogging the microphone, so i got to turn it back over to you. <laughs> Thank you, because uh, I do want to get this article out. Again, you can find it um, on this uh, ep- not episode, but uh, this release of the Bart's Live Little Bart Talks uh, newsroom. And the article uh, that you'll is from the hell, but you'll find it on the website. And this is – I don't like to use the word frightening, um, but this is going to be in line. Here's going to be a name that's going to – uh, ring out to yourself, uh, Keisha, and you'll, you'll you'll hear it in a minute. And from the hill, it's, it's an opinion piece, but we know um, we've heard a lot of this before. But to introduce, and this is what uh, that one of the, this is one of the things that I think the main theme of the documentary I watched, where I was talking about, it had John Kerry, Mary Robinson, and the. Rockefeller Foundation were talking about, and that they were talking about the Great Recess. And this article says, introducing the Great Recess, world leaders, radical plan to transform the economy. It says, for decades, progressives have attempted to use climate change to justify liberal policy changes. But their latest attempt, a new proposal called the Great Reset, uh, which you, you both probably have heard, is the most ambitious and radical plan the world has seen in more than a generation. At a virtual meeting earlier in June hosted by the World Economic Forum, some of the planet's most powerful business leaders, government officials, and activists announced a proposal to, quote, reset the global economy. Capitalism, the high-profile group said the world should adopt more socialistic policies such as wealth taxes, additional regulations, and massive Green New Deal-like government programs. Quote, every country from the United States to China must participate in every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. End quote, wrote, wrote Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, in an article published on WF's website. Quote, in short, we need a great reset of capitalism. Schwab also also said that all aspects of our societies and economies must be, quote, revamped from education to social contracts and working conditions. Joining Schwab at the WEF event was Prince Charles, one of the primary proponents of the Great Reset, Gina Gopinath, the chief economist at the International Monetary Fund, Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations, and CEOs and presidents of major international corporations such as Microsoft and BP. I guess I'm not going to be getting my guess at BP anymore. Activist groups such as Greenpeace International Academics also attended the event or have expressed their support for the Great Reset. Although many details about the Great Reset won't be rolled out until the World Economic Forum meets Davos in January 2021, the general principles of the plan are clear. And let me tell you something. This being in January 2021 is, I'm telling you, one of the reasons why they want to steal this election, because they do not want Donald Trump to be at that World Economic Forum. They, they, don't, want to stand, they don't want him standing up for American first policies. That's for certain. It says the world needs massive new government programs and far-reaching policies comparable to those offered by American socialists such as Bernie Sanders 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and their new Green Deal plan. Or put another way, we need a form of socialism, a word the World Economic Forum has deliberately avoided using, all while calling for countless socialist and progressive programs. Quote, we need to design – this is from their forum – we need to design policies to align with investment in people and the environment, said the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation, Sharon Burrell. Above all, the longer-term perspective is about rebalancing economies, rebalancing economies. If nothing but that term says redistribution of wealth, that screams redistribution of wealth. Rebalancing economies. Since one of the main themes of the June meeting was that the coronavirus pandemic has created an important, quote, opportunity for many of the World Economic Forum members to enact their radical transformation of capitalism, which they acknowledged would not have been made possible without the pandemic. Quote, we have a golden opportunity to see something good from this crisis. Its unprecedented shockwaves may well make people more receptive to big visions of change, said Prince Charles at the meeting, adding later, it is an opportunity we have never had before and may never see again. You might be wondering how these leaders plan to convince the world to completely alter its economy over the long run since the COVID-19 pandemic most assuredly won't remain a crisis forever. The answer is that they've already identified another crisis that would require expansive government intervention, climate change. The threat of climate change has been more gradual than COVID-19, but the devastating reality for many people and their livelihoods around the world is ever greater potential to disrupt. Okay, this is Prince Charles again. The threat of climate change has been more gradual than COVID-19. But it's devastating reality for many people at their livelihoods around the world, and it's ever greater potential to disrupt surpasses even that of COVID-19. Uh, I'm almost done with the article here, folks, and we can chime in on it. It says, um, but I mean, all of it's huge, so I, I don't want to miss a, I don't, really don't want to miss a line. Um, it says, of course, these government officials, activists, and influencers can't impose a, system, a, system, a systemic change of the size on their own, which is why they have already started to activate vast networks of left-wing activists from around the world who will, throughout 2021, demand changes in line with the Great Reset. According to the World Economic Forum, its 2021 Davos Summit will include thousands of members of the Global Shapers community. The Global Shapers program was involved in the widespread, quote, climate strikes of 2019, and more than 1,300 have already been trained by the Climate Reality Project, the highly influential, well-funded climate activist organization run by former Vice President Al Gore, who serves on the World Economic Forum's Board of Trustees. And, and this is um, two more paragraphs here. It says this is just opinion part, but it says for those of us who support free markets, the Great Reset is nothing short of terrifying. Our current crony capitalist system has many flaws, to be sure, but granting more power to the government agents who created that crony system and eroding property rights is not the best way forward. America is world's most powerful, prosperous nation, precisely 
because of the very market principles that Great Reset supporters loathe, not in spite of them. Making matters worse, the left has already proven throughout the COVID-19 pandemic that it can radically transform political realities in the midst of a crisis, so it's not hard to see how the Great Reset would eventually come to fruition. You Can you imagine George W. Bush or Bill Clinton printing trillions of dollars and mailing it to millions of people who didn't lose their jobs? This has been unthinkable since a couple of decades. Today, this policy garners bipartisan support. Prince Charles was right. The, uh, the present pandemic is a, quote, golden opportunity for radical change. And if Al Gore, Prince Charles, and the rest of the World Economic Forum can convince enough people that attempting to stop climate change is also worth dramatically pushing humanity towards greater government control. And we're seeing this in all of our states right now, folks, aren't we? Are we seeing all of our governors tighten the reins? Then radical and catastrophic change is exactly what we're going to get. And I, again, I normally, and you can attest to this, Kelly, I normally don't ever read an entire article on the show. I just take pieces of it. But I mean, again, every piece of that I wanted to get out because I've seen that. I'm like, this is just, I can't believe I'm seeing this in, in my time. Uh, I know you both want to chime in on it. First, um, Keisha, and then you, Kelly. Go ahead, Keisha. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what you can definitely expect uh, with what when Biden has made very clear that he's going to return the United States to the Paris Climate Accord. But, yeah, uh, the Great Reset, you know, the Economic World Forum, that's actually going on right now. You know, the whole Build Back Better uh, Climate Agenda strategy and, um, you know, you have people there as said, like you said, Prince Charles, Mark Carney, uh, head of Bank of, the Bank of England, uh, uh, Christina Lagarde, Christine Lagarde, the uh, president of the EU, uh, and others there. And the whole agenda is, you know, how are we going to basically um, get nations to bow down to the banking interest who wants to control them with, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies, with um, whole operations around the uh, around the uh, climate agenda uh, and man-made climate change. And so this, this conference is pretty disgusting that's going on. I was looking at, actually, I was looking at that before we got on the call. Uh, earlier, and there's going to be a lot more coming out on this, but uh, this is what they're ready to blow out the entire global financial system to bankrupt it, and center of this is going to be, you know, this. they're talking about Pioneers for Change Summit, um, Pioneers for Climate Change, and this is what they're ready to go full unleashing of is this uh, Malthusian uh, climate agenda and to basically shut down all development of nations and they're going to do it through uh through these types of through these types of programs so they got they have all types of you know wild people at this summit uh conference right now discussing exactly that you know what they're going to do to uh, get nations to bow down and you know say we'll cut you off completely if you don't go with these uh, 
as we were talking about earlier, zero carbon emissions agenda and, and even worse. So, you know, when if, if we go back to that type of policy, you know, you can basically hang it up for the United States and many countries totally destroyed. Yeah, because they want to bring. Yeah, the, the, as I said, it's it's going to be it's, a, it's going to be a huge redistribution of wealth. Is, is is what what it sounds like to me. We're rebalancing economies is what it sounds like. That 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 that's I think their um, the, the the key there. They're talking about rebalancing economies. Yeah. <laughs> rebalancing. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. It. I say it'll it'll be the end. I mean, people will be so poor. I mean, we'll just become Venezuela again. It, it's really, it's fear politics. And and even FDR said that he got a lot more done through fear politics than standard methods. Um, I mean, you know, Corona. Oh, we're all gonna die. You know. Oh, let's go mail in ballots. Oh, now we got this mess. All right. So then you got mm-hmm. the global warming. I mean, I. Some family friends um, way back in where I was raised, back in Iowa. There, I was I hung out with the two older brothers, and they had a younger sister, and she's turned into her whole life mission is saving the planet. And I'm like, well, did you ever think to maybe stop and really look at the big picture? Because what happens in 10 years, 15 years? I mean, in the, in the 70s, I remember cartoons where it's Saturday morning cartoons, you know. And uh, they'd have, and it was under Carter doing this. They, you know, granddad and a child were walking along the beach, and they were talking funny. It was strange. You could, you could just see their their backs as they're walking along the beach, and then they turn around and they're wearing basically World War One gas mask. And the grandpa was telling how life used to be when he was a kid, and they didn't have all this toxic air. Well, pff, come on, that was early seventies. That hasn't happened. Of course, the left will say, well, it's because we put air air control in and all this stuff, and we save the planet from all the pollution. And it's like, come on. And this, it was fear tactics. Fear tactics, fear tactics, fear tactics. Winston, worked, Winston Churchill said, if you're not a liberal by the time you're 20, you don't have a heart. If you're not a conservative by the time you're 30, you don't have a brain. And so what happens is between ages 20 and 30 – is people start recognizing, oh my gosh, they were using fear tactics on me, and I'm mad as a hornet at how they used the fear tactics to manipulate me when I was in my early 20s. And of course, California, they want voters to lower the voting age. Uh, what was it, 16? 16. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Oregon's got a new problem. I mean, they're kind of outlawing straws, but they legalized uh, cocaine and ever and other heavy drugs. So it's legal to it's legal to snort, but you can't use a straw. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, how are they gonna fix that dilemma? No, I guess it's just uh, melt it and shoot it and shoot it straight to your system. But well, I mean, paper straws. There you go. But what about the trees? Okay, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's why they, I'm telling you, that's why the media, which is one of the evilest organizations, and, you know, I'm not really, I really don't subscribe to evil, but then that's just a term that 
when you say evil, you, you know what you're, you know, you know what it's describing, you know. And so, they, they uh, seriously, they're the, the, the most evil organization there is because they fomented so much hate of the president of the United States and, and, and frankly, the followers, person who are the supporters of followers, they call them followers, but the supporters, uh, you know, of President Trump. And and here you got a guy who's actually trying to expose this corruption, saying, "Hey, look, look, people, this, I'm trying to bring." And how many times have you, do you ever hear? Yeah, you ever hear Joe Biden say, "I want to bring the power back to the people." Has this word ever been uttered? Have those words ever been uttered by Joe Biden? No. no he thinks the people the people are stupid. Stupid. Um, you know, he said this one time about um, he said this one time uh, to one of our organizers, Joe Biden did. He said, you know, Linda LaRouche thinks the American people are smarter than they really are. You know, and that's the problem wow. is that you try to treat them. So it's like that's why you're not going to be the president because the American people are definitely smarter than Joe Biden. <laughs> So, well, you know, um, unfortunately, it's, it's becoming that's becoming less and less the case, in my opinion. Well, I, we've got, I've, I mean, and, and what I don't understand is, I, I've know, you know, I've known some pretty intelligent people, and especially one of my ex friends, very intelligent. This guy has his own, uh, he's a philosophy professor, and he actually has his own philosophical ethics, like published. I mean, it's it's his own. You've heard of. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard of uh, natural law. You've, you've probably heard of, uh, you know, all, you know the different ones. I'm having a, a, a brain. You, know, you, you utilitarianism. You've probably heard of that. You know, you've probably, mm-hmm. you know, just different. His is called exper- experientialism. He actually, he's, a, he's a, you know, actually has his own philosophical ethics uh, out there, and so very intelligent guy. And I, he, he actually. Was comparing Trump to Hitler is unbelievable. He's he's a, he's a Hitlerophile. I mean, so he's he's really, and he's well studied on history and the Third Reich, and he, and he was actually trying to compare Trump with with Hitler. And I'm like, if you want to look at any party or any politicians that are acting closer to the to uh, the Nazis, it's 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 not Trump. <laughs> it's, I know. Look at the not, censorship program. I saw. You know. Look at what's going on. Uh, that in the Senate uh, on yesterday with uh, the hearings um, that had uh, Zuckerberg from, from Facebook and uh, Dorsey, the Twitter guy, in there, and the Democrats were in there saying, "You guys are not, you're not doing enough to censor, to you know, shut down all access to Trump. He he cannot have any access to the American people." That's, I mean, it, what these guys yeah. are doing. If you want to talk about you know, Goebbels, uh, Hitler policies, uh, that's where it's been coming from. You know, when you have total censorship of a president, of, you know, the American people, that's that's when people have to put their foot down and say enough is enough. You know, I've studied enough history and how the Nazis worked. If you threw Adolf Hitler into America right now, our structure would not allow him to do what he's doing. And first of all, he would never be president. Secondly, 
even if he was, he'd be impeached. There's too much in the structure. And even if you want to compare Trump to Hitler, I'm sorry. It's just, they're just, no way. Um, I mean, where's the, where's the night of the long knives? That hasn't happened yet. Where did, see, what did Hitler do? He, uh, pretty much, uh, you couldn't own a gun unless you were loyal to the Nazi party. Um, Trump has made no such attempts. Um, Hitler took and funded all the churches throughout Germany. And then to Joseph Goebbels, a propaganda minister, uh, he, they were telling the churches what to say in their sermons because they were state-run. Trump can't do that, and he has had no intention to do that. The list goes on and on and on. Things that Hitler was the Nazi party. party. Him, Goebbels, and Goering you know, really got it going in the 20s. It took off in the 30s. Trump is not the Republican Party. Sorry, he's not. There's too many – you can't – you just can't do this. And even if, if Hitler was here and he starts doing things, Hitler's going to run across due process of law. He's going to run across impeachment. you got 50 states that some of the uh, – if Hitler was here, you'd have the Ma- Massachusetts uh, teaming up with the National Guard of uh, – the, the Massachusetts National Guard, the New York National Guard, the Vermont – just take your East Coast states, the National Guard would come in and, 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 and kick Hitler's ass. Germany wasn't, didn't have the structure we have. I could go on and on. Trial by jury, no such thing in Nazi Germany. The Weimar Republic terminated that in 1924. We have so many checks and balances that if Hitler was here today, he couldn't do what he did in Germany. Trump has not shown the ill intent that Hitler did. I mean, the media shut down. I mean, come on. Hitler shut down the media. Trump frustrated. All he does is say, all your fake news. I mean, I could go on and on for an hour. <laughs> the structure would prevent Hitler if he was here. Trump has not shown any, has not shown these indications that Hitler did. End of story. Yeah, that's a false argument. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> These guys have no standing on this. Um, well, guys, it's been awesome, uh, but I'm going to have to head out here. Uh, I, no, just, I, I, did, I appreciate I, all the, the time you had. I did, <laughs> did want to say, uh, just tell, you know, tell anybody who's listening uh, who wants to check me out, follow. I'm on Twitter um, for as long as we can still be on that, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> Um, Keisha, K-E-S-H-A, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S-T-X, Keisha Rogers, T-X, um, for Texas there. And so you can check me out there. I'm also uh, on the Facebook. haven't got to set up any of these other new accounts like Parler and all that yet, but um, we'll work on that. But anyway, and I would encourage people to go to uh, there's some uh, very fascinating new updates and material on LaRouchePack.com, and um, we have a daily uh, video podcast update, and uh, I also do a, a lot of reporting on the space aspect, and so um, you'll find a lot of that there, so LaRouchePack.com. 
So can, thanks can you, a can lot, you, Robert. Can you, can you repeat that, Keisha Roberts? Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. T-X? Mm, T, T-X, for Texas. Texas. As, as at LaRouche Pack or where? Just I can find it that way anywhere. Premise Keisha Rogers. Uh, so, that, uh, so that's for the Twitter uh, Twitter account. Oh, Twitter. And then, okay. uh, yeah. And then we'll, what we'll is that Twitter? Is, huh? You said what? What's your Twitter? Uh, my name Keisha Rogers T X. Uh, and it's spelled K E S H A R O G E R S. Oh, I think I found it. Uh-huh. K-E-F-J, okay. Well, you know, I hope you come back to the show. Yeah, sure. No, it was, it was a lot of fun. So um, look forward to it, and we'll do some follow-up. Yeah, certainly. Cool. Yeah, I found it, and um, I, I'm already following there. Um, and I, I don't use Facebook much. I am new on Pipe. Just, I'm new on Parlor. Uh, so I just recently did um, made a thing on Parlor. I had Facebook, but I, I lost. I got to do that I had a too. Page <laughs> I'm getting. Yeah, I'm gonna eventually. I'm probably eventually gonna be, um, you know, kind of weaning myself off of so, of Facebook. So. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people will be unless they change. But after uh, hearing him at the, uh, Zuckerberg, uh, <laughs> he was not going to give up any anything. Uh, when I no. I loved what. Uh, uh, Senator Harley did, Holly did uh, going after him and, you know, calling them the robber bearers of our day, robber barons. So, <laughs> so but we got to have <laughs> fun. Go. Because I, think, I think the key right now is, you know, we have to have a movement to save our republic. And, um, you know, it's really on the way right now. So I, I appreciate you having me on. And look forward to talking with you guys more. Have fun. All right. Okay, thank you very care. much. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Kelly, look. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Kelly, it looks like we're almost time for, for closing comments. Uh, we only got about uh, uh, not, not quite five minutes before having to close out the show. It was uh, a great show. Well, we, you know, just, we had, um, you know, the, just the three of us, but we were able to fill up three hours. So what does that tell you? Um, and so, uh, go ahead, Kelly, and uh, let's get uh, about your four minutes worth of uh, closing comments, and then I'll have to close things out, and we'll see what next week brings. Go ahead. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I actually won't wait. We probably will not be doing a show next week, now that I think about it. Uh, and why is that? Why do you think we're not doing a show uh, next week? Uh, it's the night before Thanksgiving. Right. I'll probably – I, I do have some people coming over. I won't see how many, just in case my governor uh, is listening. Um, I won't, I'm not going to say how many people are coming over. Uh, not saying I'm breaking any, but they're not even rules. They have no way to enforce them. So, I mean, seriously, they, you can't, they can't be enforced because there's no law to support them. Um, uh, but anyway, so <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be on preparations for, uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, so we will we will not be having a show uh, next week, and we'll be back the following week. But but I, I took some more of your time away, Kelly. So I only got about three minutes, less than that, too, for closing comments. So let me let me go ahead and let you get to it. So it's going to be a couple of weeks before we'll be on the show again. Go ahead. 
Well, gee, three minutes put me on the spot. Kind of makes me nervous. Um, yeah, we just uh, well, watch the vote USA. Yeah, watch the vote USA. We're on Facebook. We have our own website. Watch the vote USA dot com. You can get some updates there. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting uh, scenario that we have, and hopefully this will get resolved so that we have. Uh, a peaceful transition of power, be it uh, Trump to Biden, I doubt it, or a, tra- a peaceful transition from Trump to Trump. Um, so I guess we're going to see. Um, yeah, we're just going to see. So we'll see what else. Yeah, the, I have never seen – well, I've been doing election transparency work for over 10 years, and – 2016, they started coming out of the woodwork right and left because they basically, Bernie, it looks like they cheated him out of California. And we did a survey on that, registration problems, all sorts of just whackery and quackery. Um, so it, it, but when enough Americans become aware of the situation, and then you have men like uh, Rudy Giuliani coming on Fox when you've got uh, Sidney Powell, High Power, and so many other attorneys are, are going mainstream. OAN, One American News, is doing this online. The people are getting educated, and hopefully in the next few years we will um, have a transparent, accountable election system so we won't have this happen again. America has survived many, many a storm, and it's mostly due to the American people. I mean, I, I, I really believe in the American people, hardworking, they care about their family, their lives, their, their their children, you know, they're smart. We just have to keep empowering the American people so America stays strong. If you're a praying person, I'd encourage people to pray. Um, I asked a pastor to do that recently, and he did in church. That was cool for America specifically. So, you know, it, the American people have got it right over and over. Yeah, we made mistakes. I get that. But I, I really think I, I, we're going to have a rough ride. I've said this even before the election, but I really believe in the American people, and hopefully we'll, we'll get through this storm and uh, we'll, we'll overcome and, and hopefully be stronger than we ever were, let's say, you know, in the spring, the summer, prove our strength. So I guess with that, I'll just turn it over to you and um, go from there. Well, I appreciate it, and I hope so. But I think, you know, I, I think we're gonna. I, I'd like things better if we were to not um, uh, have to deal with uh, what we think we may, especially if they're uh, are able to steal this election. But I want to wish all my uh, all our listeners uh, out there, uh, whether you listen live or listening to the podcast, um, want to wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, enjoy your time. And uh, let's be thankful for the country that we have now because who knows how much longer we'll have it. I don't want to sound remote, uh, but, but seriously. Let's have a happy Thanksgiving and, and put some positive energy out there. And and then once we take our little break, then it's time to get back to the fight uh, with trying to protect our republic. Anyway, so uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Uh, have a good night and take care. Right.